And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast for the last time covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, Ezra and the Ghost Crew look to complete their ultimate mission to liberate Lothal from the clutches of the Empire. There will be Welcome to the Rebels finale, you guys. Allow us to have all the feelings. We're talking about family reunion and farewell this week. Actually, there's a there's an ellipsis, so it's family reunion uh, and farewell this week. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? <laughs> You doing all right? Well, yeah, I crossed another one off the list, I guess. Another completed show for us. Dang. Well, technically we completed Clone Wars and then it came back, so now we have to re-complete Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Though, so we have two and a half Clone Wars, well, one and a half Clone Wars off our list because we did the, 2003, the 2003 one, too. Um, right, right. Actually, I'm listening to a really fascinating podcast. Um, Sky Talkers is doing their summer series, and I highly suggest this, you guys. They're tracing Lucasfilm animation from the holiday special through Ewoks and Droids, like the history of like the companies involved and all the people involved and how they came about from the holiday special through Ewoks and Droids all the way up to the present. And it's a, I'm like a little over halfway through the first episode and it's a cool series that they're doing i highly suggest it i'm, I'm, I'm really... part of a, a star wars a star wars collectible group of like the time period when when um droids and ewoks came out like just that specific time period and they have so many like these people are hardcore collectors they have like models of Ewok figures that never got made, you know, prototype models and stuff, and, and all sorts of all crazy ephemera associated with Ewoks and droids, and or stuff that was only put out in like Japan and stuff in France. It seemed like it was big in France. Really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that might because um, it was actually a French studio that helped produce some of the early animation um shorts and stuff that george lucas picked and so yeah guys like go check out sky talker's summer series uh about the history of star wars animation like i'm up to where they started i'm up to the gindi tartakovsky run of clone wars and it's it's been a really fascinating series i'm i'm really enjoying it i say you added to my possible song of the episode (laughs) yes 
Because I'm kind of torn because I want um, half of me. I'm just like, we should have the opening song be something powerful and emotional, like one last time from Hamilton or something. But also, I kind of just wanted to be like, go so long, farewell, da na 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 na, adieu, adieu, to yet and yet and yet. Oh, yeah, no, I got, I got a good list of uh, goodbye songs potentially for this to to go over already in my notes and honestly in like what like the 14 years of two true freaks using copyright material i feel like hamilton would be the one that would get us <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna use hamilton and it's not because of copyright oh. notes, sorry <laughs> Ham- well, hamilton and thron can hang out together we're yeah, gonna to, we're gonna have to have it. a talk off podcast about this. I said it. Yeah, no, there's some very valid criticisms about Hamilton. So you don't say. <laughs> a lot of very valid criticisms about Hamilton. I, you know, I but like I, I Hold on, there's not much I can say ahead. because I'm not a musical fan. So there's that right on top of it. So I'm not one like. My judgment of a musical is not the the one to go on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. As a piece of musical theater, as, as someone who was a theater major and studied musicals, it's a great, fantastic piece of musical theaters. Does the story have very valid criticism that it completely ignores things like slavery? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it has there's there's elements of fan fiction in it too. There's some definite historical fan fiction going on in there, admitted. But like as as I've I've actually seen it, but as a piece of storytelling, it's a very interesting and and well crafted um, bit of storytelling, and uh, that that. And the idea behind casting a multicultural role was a really neat idea, too. But as far as the music and the history go in it, yeah. (laughs) But the music is my main sticking point for almost every musical I see. There's very few musicals where I enjoy the musical part of it, which is... Wow. <laughs> Why so I'm not my, a big My two fan. suggestions from two musicals immediately got shot down. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but that's the power of the editor, isn't it? That's very true. <laughs> but now I'm just thinking for like Hope Makes Chris watch cartoons when we do specials. I'm like, I'm gonna oh, make yeah. you watch car- oh, I'm you- gonna make you watch you- cats. Oh, I'll watch Cats in a hot second. Yeah, like I've I I've I saw the first Cats. I've uh, I've seen I I've seen like a video of the stage presentation of it before, and I've seen saw the first movie version of it. It's probably so, the 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 one that you saw was probably the 1998 one where my, uh, Michael Gruber is Monkey Strap. Probably that one. Oh, Michael yeah, Gruber. I don't Monkey know. I, I want to say it was before that, but, it you know, I'm old and my memory's hazy. So I'm sidelining us. We should get started. This is a very long outline. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sidelining us with my uh, my lack of love for musicals. Well, you're ready. Yes. <clears throat> Actually, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I had a, a housekeeping note that I wanted to ask you about, so you can edit okay. this part out. 
Um, I have this noted down in the uh, Yoda stuff. Since Clone Wars has platitudes, I was going to say that if people want to keep sending Yoda questions, I'll keep them in a Google document when we get to re uh, Resistance. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, because we'll, okay. we're only we're only going to be for doing doing platitudes for a short season. It'll be for, like it's even just for eight uh, eight weeks because yeah, Mandalore yeah. didn't have platitudes. Two months. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was only eight weeks. So. Cool. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't want to like dictate this for the show and not clear it with you first. Yeah, All right. You ready? Uh-huh. Family reunion, dot, 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 and farewell is the 74th and 75th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on March 5th, 2018. It was written by Dave Filoni, Henry Gilroy, Kiri Hart, Simon Kinberg, and Stephen Melching. It was directed by Dave Filoni, Bosco Ying, and Sergio Pies. Some extra information for you. Up until this episode, the voice of Chopper had been a mystery. It was finally revealed in the credits that, that Dave Filoni voiced Chopper the entire time. Oh, so, Dave, it was you the whole time. It's so funny, too, because there was constant questions throughout Rebels Recon. And all every time uh, Dave was just like, people think that a, a human voice is Chopper. I, I don't know where they get this from. And then in the, I'm a monster. <laughs> and then it's cute because uh, during Rebels Recon, they have because they actually have a chopper built. It's the one that they used in Rogue One. Um, and so they had a thing called Chopper Cam, and it was just Chopper getting up the hijinks around the office. And they did this whole section of him watching himself, finding out that he's Dave Filoni. And he has like a panic attack and he like sees himself like wearing a hat and he's freaking out. And like an identity um, crisis. Yeah, because he suddenly thinks he's Dave Filoni. It's really funny. Because <laughs> it's also, like, really cheaply animated. So there's just, like, pictures of, like... They have photos of Chopper with Dave's face clearly photoshopped on top yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the sort of troll meme just sort of slap... Face just, yeah. like, torn off and slapped on. Yeah, it's really funny. Best. Yeah. The working title of these episodes were The Light of Lothal Part 1 and The Light of Lothal Part 2. The design of the Imperial Royal Guards, that's what they're called, not Red Guards, oh well, seemed to be based on their appearance from the Legends comic series Crimson Empire, with the helmets and shoulder pads being based on the training uniforms and the rest based on the armor worn by Kier Kanos. When, uh, when the Spacewalks are attacking the fleet, Thrawn calls Captain Pelion. Gilad Pelion was first introduced in Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire as Thrawn's right-hand man. In the epilogue, Sabine has Purgle painted on her shoulder armor. The epilogue of the episode was, cap was kept under wraps from all of the cast... Uh, um, nah, nah, nah. The epilogue of the episode was kept under wraps from all but the crew directly working on it. During a celebration panel, Sabine's voice actor Tia Sakar uh, talked about the final day of filming. The actors were all going out afterwards to celebrate, but Dave asked Tia to stay behind. None of the other actors had the script pages for the epilogue. After all the others were gone, Dave gave Tia the final pages and they recorded the epilogue. Tia said that when she arrived at dinner later, she couldn't tell any of the actors, even though they were all begging to know what she recorded. They didn't know that the epilogue was even in there until they viewed a screening later at Skywalker Ranch. Vanessa Marshall, 
Hera's voice actor was shocked to find out that her child, her character had been pregnant and had a child. They all freaked out seeing Ahsoka at the end, too. In Rebels Recon for this episode, they talked a lot about the relationship of Ezra and Sabine. Being two young people growing up in a galaxy of war together, they learn to rely on each other. They've taken lessons from Kanan and Hera, and they trust each other more than anyone else. And a point that I really appreciated, Dave Filoni talked about how it's, uh, it's the knee-jerk reaction to ship the two teenagers together. But he said it was so much more important to show boys and girls as equal friends and supporting each other without romance being on the table. He's totally cool if people ship them, but they wanted to show this friendship wasn't quote-unquote romantically dimensional. They also joked about how fans called the Purgle episode back in Season 2 filler, and here are the Purgles saving the day. They emphasized that no episode of the show was ever filler. I have issues with that come resistance. Keep that in the back of your pocket. Dave also confirmed that Thrawn and Ezra survived the Purgle hyperspace jump, but he purposely did not give them an epilogue scene. He wanted to give himself room for potential future series and not commit to anything, as there is a Rebel sequel being rumored. Then the, uh, then the final 10 minutes of Rebels Recon is the cast and crew reminiscing about the series as a whole. I highly suggest you watch it. It's really fun and lovely and full of tears. You know who's not fun or lovely, but will cause you to be full of tears? Oh, Yoda's full of lots of things. Mm-hmm. Well, how you doing, Yoda? Full to the brim. Yes. You doing all right, Yoda? Yes. Well, I have a question for you this week. Yes, a question for Yoda. Yes, it's from Mr. Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try my best to do this in the Paul C. Kelly voice that Chris does way better than me. Question for Yoda. Remember your Force Vision encounter from the Dark Side Yoda in Season 6 of Clone Wars? Do you think that is a premonition? Of baby Yoda's future? Yoda fought when Yoda met bad, bad Yoda, yes. Totally fought bad Yoda because bad Yoda was bad, yes. Bad Yoda wants to switch places with Yoda, but no, good Yoda totally won, yes. Totally. So you're saying bad Yoda was not baby Yoda? Maybe. Don't know. Good Yoda beat him. Yeah. Didn't switch places at all. Nope. Plan did not work. Oh my god. Like Never Chopper. worked. Like Chopper to Dave Filoni. Are you actually Baby Yoda in disguise? Now, now, now I'm... I, no, no. Totally good Yoda. Mm, yes. Good wise Yoda. Yes. Good guy. Baby Yoda, where's our Yoda? What'd you do with him? Oh, good Yoda. Yes, look. Look, little fuzzy animal. Pet, pet, pet. Good Yoda. Oh my god, there should be a cliffhanger until we come back to it. Not dirty at all. (laughs) Oh my god. Chris, I think we lost our dirty Yoda to baby Yoda at some point. It's hard to tell. I hope I don't want to sound racist, but I can't tell any of them apart. 
That's specious, but okay. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know what they call it with... <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know what his species is. We don't even know if it's a species. They could oh. all be robots. But honestly, if it's Baby Yoda as our Yoda, isn't that like an upgrade? It's so hard to tell. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> what if it was Baby Yoda all the time? What if this was Yaddle's true plan to... What if it's Yaddle all the time? What if it's just shaved Yaddle? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yaddle got rid of her quarantine look and finally shaved her legs. <laughs> Yaddle, Yaddle went all Britney Spears and took all the hair off and had an identity crisis. Hey, Britney Spears earned that identity crisis, thank you, because she was under a lot of pressure for a long time. Oh, Hope, I don't know if you're keeping up on Britney Spears, but uh, you should be Googling on Britney Spears right now, but that's a law. We should not talk about that, but yeah, oh there's a... Uh, Oh, okay. oh, I got my, I got things. Wait, <laughs> sorry. What? What's happening with Britney Spears? Oh, hope you don't, you don't. Yeah, hope um, we have more stuff besides, besides, uh, besides Hamilton and Thrawn to discuss after the show, but we do. Can you, t- can you tell me what's happening? Is this about her dad? Yeah, it is. Her dad, like, it's about yeah. The basically they're saying Britney Britney Spears has no, has no agency now. She's signed away her agency to her dad, of for everything he handle handles all her money. Has her like on a three hundred dollar a week allowance and stuff, and they're making records. And she's oh. people have been asking her to signal them through her Instagram and taking things as symbol signals that she's been she's being kept against her will type stuff yeah oh yeah i had heard about that i just didn't know the details no there's it's it's a whole conspiracy theory maybe not you know there's a lot of factual stuff in it and it goes off into all different crazy directions and but yeah something's up there so let me clarify when bernie shaved her head and like attacked the pots or paparazzi that was earned because she was under a lot of pressure from the time she was uh, a teenager but recently i don't know what's happening in her life no, I'm I, I'm not judging her. I'm just saying that might be what happened with the apple. We don't know. Maybe. Well, you ready to get into Act One? <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> and away from Britney Spears and Yaddle. <laughs> and Hamilton. <laughs> um. So, for about the first four acts, whenever there was clearly a commercial break, that's when I stopped. And then Act 5 was like the last two acts in one, and then I made the epilogue an act of its own. That's sort of what I... I, That sounds about like my frame of logic. So I will try to... I will try to make... You know, I might have a little... uh, What I like to call note slop. Yeah. In in these episodes where I go go and I like this, and you're like, that's not till the next part. And then I have to draw another little... (laughs) Oops, I'll put that in the next... (laughs) Act two and act four were like 12 minutes long (laughs) yeah it's and then act three was like seven and act one was seven and then act five was like like nine minutes and then there was the epilogue which was like 45 seconds at the end (laughs) it was hard i did the best i could all right yep act one for the last time in rebels we open with ezra looking at a photo of his parents and he's talking to the pitcher like 
Hey, Mom and Dad. So Kanan taught me about sacrifice and stuff. It's, like, super scary right now to be mean. And also, like, two episodes ago, I said in front of a Sith Lord that I missed you guys. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the next 46 minutes. He wishes his parents got to meet his space family. Because today, Ezra's gonna finish what his parents started on Lothal all those years ago. Hera gets Ezra, and they head outside where Ryder is bringing up bitch wife Arinda Price. And for the last time with them is... Alexander Callis! Ari is all like, You're all traitors! I will turn your skin into handbags! You all disgust me! And Callus lifts his head proudly and says, The day I betrayed your empire was the day I came out of the closet and realized I love a big purple man named Zeb. Isn't that right, honey? And Zeb yells from off screen, I love my boyfriend! Ezra comes out and says that Ari is going to help them free their homeworld. And Arinda's like, Oh, I can't believe you and I are from the same planet! And I'm so much better than you! I will never help a street rat like you! Ezra shrugs and yells, Hey wolves, it's dinner time! And the, wife, the white loth wolf is like, Yay, free meal! This makes Arinda panic, and she agrees to help them. Most of the rebels are flying in Imperial gunships back to the capital, while a few are with the ghost for later. Everyone is understandably nervous. It's like 15 of them against a city's worth of Imperials. But Rex is like, Jedi plans are crazy, therefore they work. Shut up, soldiers! Sabine notices that Ezra is distracted. When she asks if he's okay... In a cryptic, Kanan-before-he-died-like voice, Ezra says, I know I can always count on you, Sabine. Before she can pry some more, Hera says it's time to begin. Ari picks up that they're planning on launching the Imperial Dome in the middle of town, which was a, has apparently been a spaceship this entire time. They don't go into details as it's time to start the mission. They're landing with the ruse that Arinda has captured rebel prisoners. The human rebels are all dressed like stormtroopers. Once they land, a fight breaks out. Zeb, Sabine, and Ketsu, who is finally doing something useful for once, get inside the building before the blast doors shut. Everybody else takes care of the guards outside. Ketsu does something useful and gets the door and open for everyone else. And the rebels storm into the building. And in the best moment of the plan, Hondo and Zeb throw Piggy Ugnot Melch on top of the building as a distraction to the Imperials inside. Then our heroes storm inside the command center and quickly take their room. They bring in Orinda, who is maintain <laughs> who is trying her best to maintain an evil presence like Oh ho ho! This is cute, but you can't win against everyone. And they inform her that they don't need to win. They just need to get everyone back in the dome when, with the fancy new code from Rogue One, Protocol 13. Once everyone is on board, they'll launch the dome and then set the self-destruct. Which is a lot of details to tell a bad guy, but hey, this is a kid show, so it's just to keep the kiddos in the loop. Hera calls into base where Wolf, Vizago, and Mart have the ghosts and are standing by. In the grass, having survived being thrown by a wolf off a mountain, Rook watches them. 
Iron Mart is like, Oh yeah, guys, I should have brought this up before. Ezra gave me like a super secret mission as part of this mission. What we need to do is, Oh my god, what is that thing in the graph? And Rook attacks the three of them. But before he can shoot Mart, the white loth wolf appears and scares Rook. Rook jumps into a gunship and flies it as fast as he can because he hates those wolves so much. But now, someone who is in on their plans has gotten away, and Vizago, Wolf, and Mart are all knocked unconscious. What'd you think of Act 1? That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty action-packed. Yeah. Uh, my first note is, hey, Ketsu's sort of doing stuff. It's like, hey, sh I was like getting excited about it, and I'm like, man, it's such a low bar for her, though. It's like, hey, she opened the door. Yay! <laughs> but she gets to do a couple more things, so. The, the bar is on the floor. She stepped over it. Yay! Ketsu I've got a new word. Thing. Huh? I've got a new word. What? Pigstraction. Pigstraction. That's actually one of my notes. I love part of their plan is throw Pigman at window. Because only Ezra would come up with a plan of, please throw the Pigman at the window. Throw the pig against the window, yeah. <laughs> it's such um, a good plan. Ezra, my my other, only other really like kind of minor note is, uh, why wouldn't Ezra's family just look like a freeze frame from a, of <laughs> a shot from uh, Rebels, you know? It looks like it looks like his family went to a con and there was an artist there who who drew up their picture for him. It to it's totally like like fan fan like like the upper tier fan art style of drawing. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like you had that note too earlier last time he had the thing out. I probably did. He, I didn't know that. I forgot that he had the picture out, so I probably did say the same exact thing. That sounds familiar. But yeah, like the picture is um, different technologies um, 15 years ago. I don't well, know. Well, it could be a portrait. They could be. It might be a portrait. It might. Hey, it might be a portrait that uh, uh, Sabine did for him from a picture or something, you know? No, it's the same now one that, that he had from it. like season one. Huh? It's the same one he had in like season one. So, yeah, but it uh, is yeah, definitely, okay, that definitely makes, different okay, you're art right. style. All right, my only other note is uh, look at Ezra using Anakin tactics on uh, on uh, Orinda. That's Pick actually my first note. <laughs> it's a wolf. It's that's that's some that's some Anakin stuff. Like, oh well, all the wolf will just eat you. I know. That that was actually my first note. Like, if Orinda didn't agree to help them, would they actually let the wolf eat her? That's the difference is I don't think they would have at all. As a matter of fact, like I noticed that Ezra's language with Arinda was like when they were taught when and I can't say I, I should have written down specific examples, but it was just something I just sort of noticed was, you know, he can any like there were several things that could have like if he would have said it a certain way, it could have sounded like they were going to kill her, you know, but it, it it was worded very carefully to that that they had no plans to kill her you know and and it and you know basically like basically they were communicating to her, well you're going to jail now you know 
The the only reason I was wondering about that is at the end of last episode, Arenda wasn't the only Imperial caught. They caught several stormtroopers as well. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Stormtroopers didn't fare so well. And I mean, Ezra Ezra was taking out stormtrooper stormtroopers with his lightsaber in the last few episodes, which is a sort of something you didn't see. And like there there's a scene later on where you know where where Rex and crew just like bad you see like six to nine stormtroopers just get just pounded by you know heavy laser fire <laughs> just basically crushed out so but, but but yeah but like at the end of the fight they had several stormtroopers prisoners with Arenda and we yeah. don't see those stormtrooper prisoners this episode so I'm just like you know they probably all died they're probably all wolf food they which tried is probably to escape and slipped and fell to their death yeah that was just like oops and like happily shoved them off like bye <laughs> no I think I think Ezra is way more um he's way more balanced and and sane than anakin was you know so mm-hmm. he's he's a much better jedi you i know? mean talk about bars on the floor yeah but like yeah like but way better <laughs> anakin but... didn't have a very high bar either his was higher than ketsu's but <laughs> But that's all I had for part one. Yeah, I only had one other note. Um, and it was the scene when Hera, it's like the opening scene. Hera and Ezra are walking off the ghost. And the way that Ezra is walking and the way that Hera and Ryder and Callus are all responding to him, he has that Jedi in the room energy. He has, he that, has to. Yeah, he has that Jedi respect. He has that energy. And I started thinking back to like Ezra in season one. He was just this like floppy, this floppy, this stray rat kid who didn't like, who was scared and nervous and like didn't know what to do. And he's come so far to become like the Jedi in the room, commanding that respect. And it like just him, how he owns that is just, just such a, this shows how much he's grown over the last four seasons. It, it was a really nice moment for him, how everybody turned to him and Sabine later on too. Sabine commands most of this mission for, which was, which was different from how we're so used to like, and I, and I have a note about this later too, of Hera realizing how much her kids have grown up, but like Sabine and Ezra own this mission. This is their mission. And the adults in the room listen to the kids because they have earned it over the last four seasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just just had the fact to... that, just the fact that Ezra's still alive right now is, <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, I just had this, like, realization when, like, Sabine was leading the plan to get the shield generator back up. I'm like, you're talking to Callus and Zeb, and, I mean, not Callus and Zeb, but Callus and Rex. Rex is a Clone Wars veteran and has led countless battles, and Callus, who was ISB trained and has led countless battles, and they're listening to, like, a 17-year-old girl. Like, what? Yeah, but he's got the lights, he's got the lightsaber, he knows how to use it, and he can talk to the wolves. Well, I'm also, I'm talking about Sabine. Oh, oh, oh. Like, they're listening to a 17-year-old girl when she's like, Let's, this is the plan to get the shields up. And I was like, these two kids have grown so much that they're commanding this much respect. Well, they both also, they both also have big shoot, you know. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, the uh, for a want of a better 
uh, term. They're like the Navy SEALs of the Star Wars world. One's a, one's a Jedi and the other's a Mandalorian. Yeah. So they have bit they they have big shoes to fill, and both of them were not too sure whether they wanted to even get in those shoes. And but once they got in the shoes, they they uh, owned them. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got a Jedi and a Mandalorian on your side, you've got that, that, that's gold level assets and rex is sort of like that too as a surviving clone too but like it's i i think also rex is also genetically designed to be like yes sir jedi <laughs> you know yeah i like that I, jedi <laughs> and, and also just like kaden's gone so yeah, like Essa has to be the too. jedi but also Ever since Kanan died, Hera hasn't quite been herself. She, she rightfully so, has been very nervous about making decisions because she doesn't want to lose someone else. And so really Sabine has stepped into Hera's role because Hera hasn't been able to hold this command. And I, and I think that's kind of what's so important about this being about Hera in this episode is... For the first time since well, Kanan's died, at the very end, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but when they've liberated Lothal, that's the, like, Hera's like, you know what, we're taking the fight back and we're going to keep this thing. That's the first time Hera has sounded like Hera since Kanan died. Yeah, well, I mean, we also, we're also at that transition phase in the series where where the 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 leaders, you know, Kanan's gone and Hera's you know, crushed by grief and pregnant, <laughs> by the way. She, so can, she's she got, can still lead an army and be pregnant and be perfect. Yeah, but when you're, but you also have that life in your belly and it's Kanan's life. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's as, as a human or human, well, you know, a Twi'lek as, as, as a living, breathing, feeling Twi'lek, she's who just lost her, her boyfriend slash life mate. And has is carrying his baby, you know, and and he's gone. Maybe it might. This might be the time and the situation for the new all the 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 new guys to step up and and try out leading. You know, yeah. it's and it makes a good, and, and it's at the end of the series, so it makes a nice little, you Bow know, on top. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These children have been developed for four seasons. Now, yeah, so. now, they're, now they're yeah now they are fully you know I mean basically like Ahsoka in Clone Wars. Hmm. Nice pretty Star Wars bow on the top. So that's all I had for Clone. Did you have anything else? No. All right. All right, we're one sixth of the oh. way through this sucker. Yeah, here we go. Act two. We've been through it. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, man. Act two. So flying back to the capital, Rook calls into my blue his bando to let him know that the rebels have captured bitch wife. And Thrawn is like, oh, I should have done away with Arinda back in my 2015 novel. That freaking lady is destroying all my work. So sexy husband gives Rook a mission. He wants Rook to get inside the Imperial Dome and deactivate the shield generator. Thrawn is already on his way back to Lothal, so Rook just needs to hang tight a little bit and let the beautiful man come his way. Back with the rebels, Ezra gives the command to <laughs> Ezra gives the command for the 
kick the baddies off of Lothal plan. First up is Callus, who dips back into his protocol-loving Imperial days. And Callus gives the order of Protocol 13. And when the Empire thinks that it's a weird order, Ryder scoots up and pretends to be Colonel Yalarin and yells, Betrayal! We have won Lothal! It's time to leave! Do not question my methods and my terrible British accent! <laughs> and Ezra's like, my acting is better than that. And all the Imperials are like, um, okay, I guess this is legit. So they start recalling all of their troops from, I guess, all over the planet? During this, Rook has arrived, and two Death Troopers, who I am assuming are Pick and Waffle, as I always do, are waiting for him. And they head out for their plan to take out the shields. Ezra gives the go for the next step, with Hera setting up the launch sequence to the dome and Sabine setting up the self-destructs. And Hondo is like, yes, yes, good! This is a good plan! You know what's better? Better. Do you know what's better? Hondo Anaka! Not dying! How do we get off this thing? Which is where Wolf, Mart, and Visago come in to rescue them on the ghost. Friendly reminder, Rook knocked all their asses out last act. But they don't know that. But then, a shadow passes overhead and blocks out the sun like a sexy eclipse. And bitch wife gets super turned on because Blue Husbando has arrived as the Star Destroyer Chimera hovers over the city. Hera has to shut down the launch cycle. If they take off, they'll crash right into the Chimera. It would destroy the entire city with debris. They're trapped. And it's time for Ezra to showcase his big Jedi energy. He pulls Thrawn up on the comm and goes, Guess who won, fucker? I got your bitch wife. I got your troops, your supplies, your ships. I got them all here. We're in control. I'm the captain now. Fuck off. And Thrawn brushes some dust off his shoulder and calmly says, Are you done? Because all you did was stick my men in a safe place while I destroy the rest of the city. Good try good job trying to play war kid. I'll stop when you surrender to me all alone with no weapons. And Ezra looks horrified, realizing his miscalculation. And they can't get the planetary shields up because Rook has knocked them offline. There's nothing any of them can do as Thrawn bombs the city. Well, Ezra's big Jedi energy is all gone, and he immediately surrenders, and Thrawn awaits his arrival. And Hera is like, um, you are not going, young man, while Sabine starts realizing why Ezra might have been so cryptic earlier. Ezra hands his lightsaber to Chopper as Hera begs him to stay. She wants to find another way, especially after losing her space husband some episodes ago. So while the ghost crew gather around to weigh their options, Sabine sees this was always the plan as Chopper opens a vent for Ezra to leave through. The music swells, I shed a couple tears, and Ezra and Sabine silently say goodbye to each other. Sabine moves to distract the others while forming a plan to get the shields back up. She looks back and Ezra is gone. As they start to solidify a plan, Hera turns to ask Ezra a question and sees her son has escaped and is currently flying away in an Imperial gunship. 
Space Mom grabs her phone to scream at him. But Sabine says that they have to trust Ezra. Right then and there, Sabine comes up with a plan for them to take back the power terminals for the shield generator. And Hera looks at her space daughter and knows her space son has just left to face who knows what. And for a moment, Hera looks so proud of the people they have become. So Hera gives the okay to go through with this plan. And they're running out of time as stormtroopers have reached the command center to take it back. Ezra flies out. I told you this was like a 13 minute act. Ezra flies up to Thrawn Star, Star Destroyer and lands in the hangar where troops are waiting for him. They put him in binders and take him up to Thrawn's office. Thrawn is waiting with a temple guard mask like the one Kanan wore before, just sitting on his desk in the same room. What a sexy dick move. Thrawn says that Ezra chose to be a Jedi, saying Ezra chose morality over strategy. And Thrawn is like, ugh, this one time in my book, Thrawn Alliances, I like five times. I, uh, I had to team up with Anakin Skywalker, who was a big fuck-up that almost got us killed, like, five times because he wouldn't follow a plan to save his life, and then he blew up a quarter of the planet, and he was so mad, and, like, 20 years later, I had to work with Darth Innovator, and he still sucked. So I'm still super aware of how dumb you Jedi guys could be with all your morals. And Ezra was like, whoa, that was a lot to unload on me. Do you also often quote your books at people? And Thrawn is like, yes, I do. And Ezra's like, oh man, I hope I don't get stuck with you on a space adventure or anything, because that's going to suck. And Thrawn is like, where were we? Thrawn continues. <laughs> I lost my spot. I went off my, my thing. It's okay. Thrawn continues to Thrawn's playing the Jedi to Ezra, while Ezra banters back at him. Thrawn admits that he really doesn't understand the Force at all, but also, he doesn't understand why the Jedi doesn't weaponize it, but he also doesn't give a fuck. And Ezra sniffs back at that the Force isn't a weapon to be wielded. Thrawn also admits that he doesn't want to destroy Lothal either, but with the Rebels doing the Rebel thing, there's no choice left. So he's going to try and save as much art as he can. And Ezra snaps, going, you know what, fuckface? You're a piece of shit. You don't know anything about my culture and my people. You're a freaking colonizer. You just pretend to be helpful, but you're taking it for yourself. And you don't know shit about art. And Thrawn is like, oh, me? Don't know shit about art? You little brat. You better hope in the next 29 minutes that nothing happens when we'll be stuck together for a long time. Because I might actually kill you for saying that I don't know anything about art. I'm done with you, you little shaver. I'm taking you to someone who will actually teach you a lesson. And Thrawn takes Ezra to what looks to be a little piece of a temple. And it's a piece of the Jedi temple from Lothal that's been cut out. And waiting is Papa Palps. Not looking like a Sith Lord but looking like the kind old senator he used to be in the Clone Wars. And Papa Pops is like, Oh, hello, my dear boy. We're going to have some fun today. And Ezra's like, Oh, shit. What'd you think of Act 2? Are you Chris is think? like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I have the Pappy's a- back. I have a note that says, I can hear Chris going, Oh, shut up, Thrawn. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I could hear you, like, the whole time that I was watching that scene, because I'm just, you know, enjoying it, because I'm like, yes, Thrawn, go, sexy one. But I had him all else like, Chris is dying right blah, now. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> what are you going to 
do you if there's a Rebel sequels and the main characters are Thrawn and Ezra? That could be okay. It could be okay. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Thrawn could be a good character outside of it would it would tear him free of his imperial mastermind shit and he would just be he would be dr smith on on uh lost in space oh my yeah. uh, we'll get to that at the end i have some i have some um i have some notes on that at the end i'm but, sure you do but uh not really Thrawn centric, but like the like the idea of Ezra and Thrawn as being foils in a series is it, it could work really well. My problem with Thrawn is my problem with Thrawn is twofold. It's it's Thrawn and like all the people in the last twenty years who've told me Thrawn is like you know it, it's okay having the the Sith and everything, but Thrawn is like a real. Uh, threat to the jedi because he uses logic and history and blah 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 and it's just like yeah whatever this is a fantasy story yeah. <laughs> that's the if it was a science fiction story thrawn might be the superior you know they sort of portrayed him as this like space evil space sherlock holmes and he never really lived up to it in his in the portrayals i didn't get what they got out of it and uh so he's just and like, and here we're in the final episode, so it's just like, but like in the final like math of Thrawn in in Rebels, in the in the Rebels show, he's just been just kind of a stooge. He's been he's been a he's been a grievy, except he's not fun like and awesome like grievy to me, but he's been you know he's been. Maybe it's because Grievy doesn't take himself as seriously as Thrawn does. Thrawn is just like, aha, I'm uh, two steps ahead. Oh, Arinda's been captured and everything's gone to shit. Oh, well, that's no problem. I'll soon be there and I'll fix it. So he's all swagger and only has sort of like been sort of victorious once once he's more so he becomes more of an absurd character in the whole you know in the entirety of it as a as a tv show as this series yeah so and, uh, notes? <laughs> that's that that wasn't even a note that's just something you got me uh i know <laughs> i only have one note for this and that i i see this part as being very like wow like paralleling the scene in last jedi this the the part of last jedi where ray goes to to surrender herself to kylo ray or to go meet kylo ray and you kylo know kylo ray kylo ray kylo ray <laughs> <laughs> goes to meet kylo ren and you know she gets off the ship and they put the the handcuffs on her and 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 you know and and to an extent uh, Luke Skywalker being brought to Darth. I think it was made to be more like Luke being brought to Darth Vader, but it really, to me, played out more like um, Ray being brought to Kylo. Yeah, because like, he was you first don't brought see to Luke Thrawn, and then he was brought in. to the Emperor, and Ray was first brought to Kylo, and then brought to Snoke. Right, right, yeah, and 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 the same thing happens here, and that was, but that was what, and and Luke was brought to Vader, who was brought to the Emperor. 
So yeah. they're all they're all sort of parallel to each other, and I just thought that was it was sort of nice. And I figured since this is in the time period of of the sequel trilogies that they were making it more like you never saw Luke go and go to the stormtroopers here, put the handcuffs on me. I'm here to go meet Darth Vader. It's just sort of, he's walked up to Darth Vader, but like, you know, Ray, you saw the whole process. She gets on the ship and it gets out and they handcuff her. And this was very similar sequence as that. Mm-hmm. Just some more rhyming, I guess. I was about to say, you mean star Wars? It rhymes. It rhymes. <laughs> Hope, hope, it rhymes. All the time it rhymes. Like poets who don't know it. <laughs> Is that all your notes? Or Jedi who have red eye. <laughs> the red eye Jedi. <clears throat> that's that's it for my notes. Um, most of my notes are shallow. I am going to take this final episode of Rebels and air a tiny grievance I have about the show. I haven't brought it up at all. But it's just the tiny annoyance that I've had, especially in season four. There is no sense of how big this fucking planet is. <laughs> for example, when the Loth Wolves take them hyperspacing through the planet to their mountain base, they specifically say it's in the southern hemisphere and very far away from everything. And yet they can ride speeders and fly on gliders all the way back to the capital city that's supposedly nowhere close to them. Right. And then, and then in this episode, when they do Protocol 13, is it everyone on the planet or just the people in the capital city? And there's, like, no... And, like, Rook is supposedly really far... Is at their mountain base in the southern hemisphere, and he's able to fly back within minutes to the capital city, which is nowhere supposedly close to them. So there's just... And, and this has been a thing to all of Rebels. Like, I have no concept of how big Lil Thaw actually is. It feels like everything's within 20 miles of each other, but well, also if, still, like, a thousand miles away from the nearest thing. Maybe maybe that's the Disney time-space distortion. And honestly, with, the, the that's size That's what of it's the like in the movies, too, though. You know, yeah, they I just mean, zip... They, they look up in the sky and see all the planets exploding, you know? yeah. I mean, I wrote here, the size of Lothal as a planet changes at the speed of plot. Yes. Have you ever seen, have you ever read uh, the, the Little Prince? Have I read The Little Prince? There, he stops, but he's flying around from different planet to planet. He stops off for one planet that's so small he can just sort of walk around in circles on it. That so sounds maybe, familiar. Maybe Lothal's just a really tiny, super dense core planet, so it has a lot of gravity, you know? Yeah, I don't know, but that's, yeah, that's a tiny, know. tiny Rebels gripe I've had is just, on one hand, like, it feels like nothing is close to each other in Lothal, and yet they go from the Southern Hemisphere to the capital on fucking gliders. <laughs> right, <laughs> no right, and, and, and when you see it, it looks like it has vast, empty spaces on it, and the way it's laid out, it has, like, that, that throughway all set up so you can take stuff out to where the ships can pick it up and stuff so it looks like it's just like spread out but yeah yeah i I wish they never said that the space was specifically in the southern hemisphere because like that alone bumps me (laughs) and like like, they're, they're on the other side of the planet and yet they can ride a glider back north well luckily at this phase of the story 
everything's moving so fast that all I remember is having just a quick thought of like, hey, I thought they were at the other side of the planet. And that was a big deal because they were like, wow, we're just blasted far away from everything. And now all of a sudden they're just doing things like normal. And then I then I forgot all about it because I was following the plot. So. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's the tiniest of gripes. And I never noticed it the first time I watched the show. It's me picking through the show with a very fine-tooth comb yeah. going, that doesn't add up. Yeah. So, anyway, one of my f- absolute favorite Thrawn moments of this entire show is when Ezra's like, fuck off, man, we won. Look at all the ways we win. And Thrawn just goes, are you quite finished? Okay. <laughs> I laugh every time. I always forget that Ezra gives his lightsaber to Chopper and that he doesn't have it for the rest of the episode. I always forget that point where I'm just like, where's Ezra's lightsaber? Oh yeah, Chopper has it. It's like Luke in, in Jedi, which implies that someday he's that he's gonna want to he's given it for safekeeping. Yeah, and it's such a blink and you'll miss it moment. Like there's not like a big thing of like him ceremoniously like Chopper, Chopper. take this. Yeah, it's just, he walks by and, like, backhands it to Chopper, and I actually glanced away for a moment, because I always, like, have to pause and go back when I write notes, so I actually looked away and paused, and so when I, I missed it the first time, but I always go back a couple, like, 20 seconds after I write a note, and I was like, whoa, (laughs) I forgot. Yeah, no, he did it like he and Chopper, he told Chopper, I might be giving you my lightsaber, you know, it was, it was planned out. It was completely planned, because Chopper is the one that recorded Ezra's message at the end. Um, I love Ezra and Sabine's trust with each other. Cause like really early on in the show, like the whole crush storyline with the teenage drama was like probably one of my least favorite parts of rebels, but I love that they've grown past that. And I'm just, I'm just so proud of them as people. (laughs) Like I'm so proud of how far they've come and they're like these little adults and I love them. And their trust is so amazing that, that Ezra can rely on her so much and she like knows what to do and knows to trust. It's kind of like in the world between worlds where he was like, don't worry. Like Sabine has figured out this way. And like Sabine on the other side was going, don't worry. Ezra's on his way back. Even though they hadn't talked to each other, they just knew that the other was doing what they needed to do. I just, I love their relationship. And I just love that moment too. When Hera realizes how much her kids have grown up. And you you can see it where she's like, when when Sabine looks at Hera and she's like, if you're okay with this plan, and Hera has this look on her face, she kind of like blinks and like kind of like her head goes back just a little bit, like she's really seeing Sabine as an adult for the first time. It, it's a really nice tiny moment. I love it. Um, sitting on Thrawn's desk is a temple guard mask that is similar to the one Kanan wore when he was blinded in Twilight of the Apprentice. And my God, what a dick move. And I love it. (laughs) That's such a dick move. And it was so good. It was just like, look at this mask that your dead mentor used to wear. That's right here, front and center on my desk. (laughs) Ha ha. How would he know that though? Research, art. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a re- okay. Research. (laughs) <laughs> research art all the stuff um and finally i love that papa palps whipping out his whole charming old man act from the clone wars where he's just like hello dear boy i'm a charming senator i was like I, oh i love it i look like your grandmother 
And it's just a little nice bit of animation. I love that they gave him, like, little age spots. I don't think his yeah. Clone Wars design had, like, age spots, and they gave him some more wrinkles and stuff. So um, it's just a really nice touch of animation. But that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? Nope. Act 3? <clears throat> I'm ready to half-wrap this puppy up. We'll oh, wrap the so... back half of the puppy up first so it can breathe. Woo, here we go. Act 3. Back with the ghost, Mart, Wolf, and Vizago awaken from their concussions, thanks to the Lothwolves. And Wolf is... <laughs> and Wolf has the audacity to call Rook by Thrawn's pet. Excuse you, old man. Rook might be a bad guy, but he's still a person. And they realize the problem. Rook and the gunship are gone, and everything's got messed up while they were unconscious. But Mart admits that Ezra told him that he was expecting all of this to happen. And Mart is like, Whoa, Ezra could like make so much money as a fortune teller. And Mart puts them into action. Apparently, if Thrawn made it back in time, the three of them have a super special secret mission from Ezra. So they all hop into the ghost and take off. And the wolves wave them goodbye, going, Have fun storming the Star Destroyer! Mart explains that they're supposed to send a specific frequency on a communication channel that no one uses anymore. And Wolf is like, This is the same kind of mystical Jedi bullshit that my Jedi Plo Kloon used to pull. I know it's gonna work, but it still makes me nervous. Meanwhile, Vizago is like, you guys need to pay me way more to be here at this point. Back on the Lothal Dome, our heroes start their plan to retake the shield generator. Mulch, Melch runs out to distract the troopers that are trying to break in and they quickly knock them all out. The team, they break into two teams. Rex, Hondo, and Ketsu on one. Zeb, Kallus, and Gregor on the other. Sabine will talk them through it from the command center. And they all move out. And Hera is worried about Ezra, which she has the right to be worried about because Ezra is staring Papa Palpatine right in the hologram face. Thrawn quickly leaves to avoid any of the force magic stuff that he hates. And Palpatine is like, Hello, my dear boy. Would you like a hard candy? And Ezra's like, Ew, gross. I don't want any of your Sith Lord candies. So Palpatine starts immediately trying to but spend... But it's a Werther's. It's a Werther's. Butterscotch. Butterscotch. Worthers. You don't need teeth to enjoy a Werther's. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, just like spat on my pop shield. Anyway, where was I? Uh, so Palp starts immediately trying to spin everything in a nice way. He's saying things like, Look, I saved part of the Jedi Temple on your home world. I want to give it to you. Happy Life Day. You should be thanking me, since it's your fault that the rest of it got destroyed, you know? And Ezra's not buying any of this. That is until Palps brings up his parents. Palpatine welcomes Ezra to look into the temple. And at the end of the way, there's Ephraim and Mira Bridger calling their son to dinner. And Palpatine's like... Go to them. This is what you deserve. Despite knowing that this is more than likely a trick and a lie, Ezra still moseys down the portal to check it out. Ezra doesn't want to believe it because he felt his parents' death. But Poppy is like, 
But you've been in the world between worlds, and you saved Ahsoka Tano. And then Palpatine channels his inner man. <laughs> I forgot I wrote this joke. <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> and then Palpatine channels his inner Merida from the Disney movie Brave. And Palpatine says, If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? Got it was a joke. <laughs> because he's like, if you could change your fate, would you? And all I could hear was Merida from Brave going, if you had the chance to change your fate, would ya? And Ezra looks super unsure about life. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Rebel Strike Team are moving to take back the Shield Generator. Ketsu, Rex, and Hondo get there first, but Rook, Pick, and Waffle are waiting for them. Team B, which is hot Kaliza boyfriends and Gregor are slowly are slow to get there because they're all trapped in a dome with a bunch of stormtroopers that which they you know did on purpose Ryder and Sabine close some doors and gives team hot boyfriends a clear path to the generator there they arrive and it's full of fighting nothing is easy as the bridges in the override are pulled in and they have to find another way to get to the shield generator tower towers what'd you think of what act three the shield generator towels? Is that like Cap. the wet blanket windows? Yeah, we'll go with that. I like how the the wolves run after the spaceship like dogs will chase your car. When, when we lived out in the country and had dogs, whenever you would drive away from the house, the dog would run at full speed on the side of the road until you outpaced him and then would just be like, all right, bye. <laughs> I, I almost wrote that as a note. I almost did, yes. <laughs> they, they totally did the dog thing and just chased after the car. And uh, what's up with Hondo and Melch? I have that note too. I wrote Ray's Hondo's, eyebrow. Hondo's got a little taste for the pork, huh? Uh, I know. I wrote Ray's eyebrow, insert Yoda voice here. He's so magnetic. And everybody else is just like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> I Makes know. Sense, Hera, I guess. Hera's just like, special relationship? Yep, He's like, don't question me. That's why they squabble so much, but are still together. Hondo is just like, um, excuse you, Hera, you have a Lassat and a human boinging on the side there. Don't even question me. And he's like, and Hera's like, I don't. Know. I don't. Uh, I'm. I'm just imagining nobody notices in the Star Wars universe. They're just like, whatever. The one guy's yeah. just like, oh, whatever. I hang out with puffer pigs. What? What can? What? You know. The only people who care are Imperials. Puffer pigs are a little bit different. I think I think if the person is sentient, no one cares. Melch is clearly a sentient thinking. No, they have a special person. translator. The puffer pigs can talk if you have a puffer pig translator. They they can give consent. Trust okay. me, Hope, I did my research. Your Thrawn re your research like Thrawn where you just know things? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Egg on the nose, exactly. <laughs> What's your uh, next note, Chris? <laughs> all right. Hey, Ketsu got an actual line in this part. She she spoke and everything. It's going crazy, crazy. She spoke a couple times and she was fancy. She got she got she, she got one whole sort joke. of low grade low grade joke line or you know just sort of like uh um sassy line. And uh, my only other note is 
I really liked when Pal- <laughs> and you're, you, you, of course, this is another one of my favorite parts is when Palpatine just dismisses Thrawn. All right, you can go now. Thrawn's like, okay, bye. <laughs> bye bye. Fuck off, Blue Man Group. But that's all I got for Act Three. So I'm gonna go ahead and do my tattoo line because I had one too. Um, I finally, I finally feel like I'm seeing her character for the first time <laughs> in, on the, in the last show. episode. Yeah. Um, she has that like that line where I think it's Rex. It has to be Rex. Rex was like, "Any ideas?" And she was like, "Yeah, but you guys made me stay." <laughs> Or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, a, a decent sort of like sassy line. Yeah. Yeah, and she's fighting and she's fixing the bridge and she's doing things and it's kind of sad that on the last episode I'm finally starting to see who she is. See as the a glimmer of her personality. Yeah. And where was this and all her other appearances? <laughs> anyway, um. Palpatine is so good in his tricking of Ezra. Ian McDermott's voice acting in this is so great because he's just, it, you can hear it, like it's so kind and gentle, but there's that little twinge of manipulation and gaslighting, and it's the exact same twinge that he used on Anakin because it's his is exact yeah. same like nice voice that he used in the prequel trilogies and he used in the... Um, like early, early things. Uh, what is that show? Um, Clone Wars. It wasn't Ian McDermott, but the voice actor in Clone Wars did the exact same thing in all his scenes with Anakin. Um, who's the voice actor in Clone Wars? I have forgotten. I'm sorry, Clone Wars actor. I know you passed away. Rest in peace. Um, but uh, it's it's just really great acting on Ian McDermott. Like, it's, yeah, it's they're so and, good. And it's like a low grade. Anakin seduction, but yeah. but Anakin or Ezra is not as weak as Anakin, and and also Palpatine has to do it long distance. He has to do it by phone, so he can't like sit him down in the theater and be just like, so often a Jedi would like to meet his parents. And in Palpatine, did I ever tell you about the story of mom <laughs> and dad Jedi? And you know, but he he's still and. and and Ezra is not as up his own ass as, as a matter of fact, he's way not up his own ass <laughs> yeah, like Anakin him. was. Anakin's just like, I don't remember Nicola, my girlfriend died, you know, whereas Ezra's just like, this isn't real. This is a trick. My parents are dead. I got to deal with it, you know, and. and is just he doesn't have he doesn't have the weakness you know the the chink in the armor that Anakin does and he also doesn't have the years and years of of grooming that that Palpatine put into Anakin in person through the the prequel trilogy but he gives it you know he gives it the old Sith college try you know <laughs> he's, he's Papa Palpatine he's not gonna not try yeah. <laughs> I kind of have two thoughts on this. Uh, number one, um, he is a touch more forceful with Ezra, um, but he's coming off like from the point of view as a leader, like I'm the emperor. He's like, I have to be forceful because your people are breaking the law. Like I'm just following the law as a leader. So he is a little bit more forceful with Ezra. 
Um, but I'm spitballing now. You brought this up, and it made me think of this. Um, you're right about him being at a distance with Ezra. And now that I kind of think my, my brain rushes back over the prequels in the Clone Wars, um, Anakin had a mother that he remembers. He had, like, a parental figure that he would hug and who would love him and would put touch him and stuff like that. And now I think back on it, Palpatine, when he was in person with Anakin, would often touch him. Not, like, in a weird way, but, like, touch his shoulder and his arm. Right. And that is actually a form of control where when people like touch your shoulder, it's, it's actually like, it, it's actually a form of control to kind of either reassure you or try to push you a certain way. Yeah. Um, customers used to do like mostly old, gross, old Southern men customers used to always try to do this to me at, when I was working retail, when they wanted something and I wouldn't let them do it, they would touch me on the shoulder or on the arm. And I had to be like, sir, don't touch me. You'd, I don't know you. And even the customers, I, some of them I had to tell multiple times not to touch me. Touching people is a form of control. And he would often touch Anakin on the shoulder and on the arm, um, now that I think about it. And uh, he was probably like, you know, the Jedi are not, were not people for human contact, you yeah, know? So human Anakin warmth, and he was a little that, kid. Yeah, and, Anakin went from having a mom who would hug him and love him to Jedi who were just like, no connections. Well, so, he had he had his Jedi father figures, but but Palpatine was his human, you know, human father figure, and that's he was just a very unfortunate human father figure to <laughs> yeah. fall upon because he's not going to foster the 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 best side of his hu- humanity. So the Jedi weren't weren't letting him do anything with his humanity, and Palpatine was warping and twisting it. He didn't. He had to approach Ezra differently because Ezra's, yeah, he Ezra doesn't have the grooming, you know. He's he's a, it's a whole different dynamic. He's coming at Ezra as the enemy and has to be just like, I'm really not so bad, yeah, mom and dad. And also, like, let's bring Kanan into this. Like, that's where Kanan is different from the Jedi who trained Anakin. Kanan constantly hugged Ezra. Yeah, and no. like comforted him, and was like, was that human dad? He was both of. He was a real father. He was Jedi or Jedi. Anakin had to pull his father figures from different sources, and all of which were kind of stunt. You know, Obi Wan being the least so, but they were all kind of stunted by either their Jedi or Sithness. <laughs> you know, yeah. he had a Sith daddy and a Jedi daddy. And uh, that's yeah. actually confirmed in the Darth Vader comics where, well, I yeah. shouldn't say confirmed, but like there's a, there's, there's this dream sequence that Anakin goes into where he's walking sort of like a dark side version of the world between worlds, but Anakin's reliving his life as like a spirit. And at one point he walks into a room and there's both Sidious and then there's Obi-Wan and above it, it says, I am your father over both of them. In yep. this like dream memory world of Anakin. Yep, and and a little bit of Qui Gon too. Yeah, Qui Gon was just the father figure that he got like the twenty minute father figure. Right, but that burns into your head. It's sort sort of like Ray with uh, Han Solo. Like you get it, and Luke with Obi Wan, just for a hot second. But you idolize that person, then they're gone. You can never become. Although Luke could, Luke got to be 
got to be disappointed in Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan came back as a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> set but, him up for disappointment. And, and also but, with Qui-Gon, you know, like, he was the inciting incident, Dad. Right, right, right. <laughs> Qui-Gon was the, like, inciting incident, Dad, but that, like, Im- like imprinted him, I guess, on the, the Jedi, you know, and, yeah. and, and Obi-Wan was his functional dad. When the other but, male figure in your life is Watto, you're going to go for Qui-Gon. Yeah. Every yeah, day. But, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, like, he, Palpatine, I, I have to wonder, even if Palpatine was there in person, like, I could see him, like, physically putting his arms on Ezra um, the same way with Anakin. But because of that distance, um, it, it is an extra barrier. And I think that's part of the reason why he can't, because he can't touch Ezra to control him, which sounds so creepy. Um, oh, my last line, my last line, my last note is Mark says something very specific about Ezra, and he says that Ezra predicted that Rook would take the ship and warn Thrawn, and it made me kind of realize a couple of things about Ezra. For one, Ezra was really good tuned in on the Force on that one, because that is, they didn't even know if Rook survived, and Ezra foresaw that as an as a thing that could happen. Like he saw a lot of like weird things. Um, I, in this I think plan. Ezra, I think Ezra like Kanan, maybe not as much as Kanan. Cause I think Ezra might've had more paths open in front of him, mm-hmm. but I think he, Ezra, he says that very specifically, I had several paths in front of me. Right. And, and, and he, he, and like, so I think he knew the path that, he was going to end up on was probably going to be the path that he ended up on. But at the same time, he was like, I want to give it a go, you know, and see if I could just go there with my friends and, and, and just like, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe we'll get it on the first shot. You know, I got to try because I can always do phase two from there. But I think he knew always, he he knew he was probably going to end up at phase two. So he had, you know, so he had time to set up and and prepare himself for it. And that was what was freaking out Hera, because it was just like Canaan. You know, when somebody yeah. knows something that nobody else knows and they know it for sure, they start acting a little funny. And she didn't notice it with Canaan, but now with Ezra. She's hyper like, aware of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we're just red flags flying off him. So, but I think, but Ezra, I think also you could tell. That like you know, he would have been acting a lot more differently if it was like, yeah, you're gonna die now. But yeah. more on that after Act Six. Yeah. All right. So you're that's all I have for Act Three. Act Four. I'm already. All right. This was the longest act, <laughs> I think. Right. Uh, Act Five is pretty long too. Okay, we're about to get into the two longest act. Where am I? Act Four. Act Four. Our rebel heroes are pretty pinned down trying to get the shield generators back online. Ketsu gets the bridge up right about the time that Melch comes running in to join them. And Melch is pulling so much weight and he sprints out onto the bridge. Hondo is so proud of his little piggy partner. That is until Melch is suddenly shot. Hondo pales at the sight of his friend slash maybe something more falling to the ground. And for a brief moment, the old, ruthless pirate 
that at one point was willing to murder Jedi Padawan children comes out of him. And pirate captain Hondo Anaka flat out murders some stormtroopers like it's nothing. And he pulls Melch's body out of the way. And it's not going well for any of them. Gregor points out that there's still too many stormtroopers. They need to make a crazy plan and soon. So Zeb looks at his boyfriend. He takes Kallus' hand. He kisses it. And he says, I love you. And then Zeb leaps all the way across the room and tackles Rook out of the way. And the entire time Kallus is like, oh my god! No! Boyfriend! Come back here! Now! <laughs> and this gives them the opening they need to push forward. Kallus and Gregor storm to the next communication central location thing and take out all the guards. Or so they thought. One guard is still alive and he shoots Gregor in the chest. Rex gasps and looks up in horror as his brother gets hit. Callus lowers Gregor to the ground, but Gregor wants none of this sappy sentiment. He shoves Callus away, going, You better get that shield up! If I die, then you all fail, and I'm haunting all of you, so help me! So people are dying now, and I have feelings, guys. Hey, speaking of feelings, Ezra's looking at his dead parents! Palpatine frees his... <laughs> Sorry, his dead parents! I made myself laugh. Palpatine frees him of his handcuffs and shows Ezra the panel he needs to push to open the gateway to his parents. Ezra is rightfully concerned about all of this and worried about his friends. But Palpatine's like, shh, shh, hush, shh, shh, don't worry about your friends. Shh, focus on saving your parents. Look, forgot my Palpatine voice. Focus on saving your parents. Look how not dead they are! Don't you want that? You deserve a happy and alive mommy and daddy. And for a moment, it looks like Ezra's gonna do it. But our baby Blueberry has grown up into a full blueberry bush, and he's not who he was in season one. And the Blueberry lifts his chin, says his parents will always be part of him, but he has to let them go. And he uses the force to blow out the walls of the temple. And as he sprints out of there, Palpatine's hologram reverts back to Darth Sidious. Ezra skids out of there, and for the last time, the Jedi, the Jedi temple on Lothal is destroyed. Slowly getting up, Ezra looks back, hoping it's all over. And from the rubble of the temple, out walks hologram Darth Sidious like an evil demon. And boy, is he pissed. Ezra's all smug like, I have a family, bitch. I don't need anything from you, you wrinkly old hag. And Sidious is like, You should have taken my hard candies, you little shit. And Red Guards storm into the room. I had to look up what their weapons that they were using were, because I had no idea what they were. The Red Guards used their force pike to emit a magnetic clamp feature to lift Ezra off the ground. I had to look that up. Or, you know, cool magic stuff happens and they get, get Ezra. Either way, Ezra is off the ground going, Ah! I don't like this! And reaching out with the force, Ezra launches huge rocks from the Jedi Temple at the Red Guards, and he smushes all of them and they're dead. Back with the other rebels, Zeb is facing off against Rook, 
with all the in the area where all the electros electricity. I was about to say electricity. In the area where all the electricity runs through the shield generators, but Zeb manages to stick Rook's foot to stick Rook's foot in some cables and get them caught. But they've run out of time as Thrawn prepares to fire on the city. And Callus is like, Zeb! Boyfriend! Get out of there now! You're my future husband! And Zeb looks up going, Are you proposing to me? And Callus is like, I will propose to you if you get out of there right now! And Zeb's like, you don't gotta tell me twice! <laughs> and Callus flips the switch, and Zeb leaps out of there just in time. But Rook gets fried by all the electricity. Rest in peace, Rook. I wish you had come in the series in Season 3 and had more time with us. Kaos rushes down to his boyfriend and they share a fiancé kiss, because now they're fiancés. Thrawn fires on the city, but the shields are up and working. The capital is safe, and Thrawn is like, Well, fuck. During all of this, Hondo is lamenting the demise of his poor piggy partner slash possibly something more, and he's saying, once again, I, I, Hondo Onaka, have failed as a pirate captain. Oh, Melch, my porky pig partner of pork and maybe something more than that. I will never eat pork again. I am sad. Suddenly, what's this? Melch opens his eyes and he's alive and he hugs Hondo. And Hondo won't admit that he is overjoyed by this. But it's not happy for everyone. Rex rushes to the dying Gregor. And with his last words, Gregor says that it was an honor to fight for something they, as clones, chose to believe in. And Rex, who buried so many of his brothers, proudly lays Gregor to rest. And I'm going to end there because act really, there is really long. What'd you think? Pretty good. Not yeah. a lot of not a lot of notes for it. Rook gets cooked. Rook gets cooked. I wish they. I really wish they brought Rook in in season three. I really do. I like. I I know you don't care. But I personally really like Rook as a character. He's such a classic character. I wish he's been around for this whole time so they got to build him as a character. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we actually don't know how him and Thrawn met because. Um, the prequel to the, the book that takes place between season three and season four of Rebels is Thrawn Alliances. And Rook is already working with Thrawn in that book. And it's not, an, we have no idea how they got working together. I, I would love just like if they had brought him back in season three, if we had at least saw how Thrawn recruited Rook, be like, hey, come work for me. Like we, we it's, it's really weird. And we can only assume that there's something tied in the legend's origin. But it's the legend story of Rook and Thrawn is so drastically different from canon. So that as a Thrawn fan, that's that's a personal bugaboo of mine was just the handling of Rook in this show. But uh, I love that they had full Emperor. Th- oh, oh, yeah. That's so awesome. My only other question is. All right, obviously Palpatine's long distance, so he can't, like, force lightning Ezra himself. But I'm wondering, is Palpatine altering the signal of his space hologram, or is he standing somewhere in front of a space hologram camera 
like physically changing like himself back at you know into a image of his old self or whatever it's weird it's cool I can't rules. Figure it out. if it looks cool it's a rule yeah 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 and i like when it shifts back and forth from fake palpy to the real palpy but that's all i really had for this part yeah it makes no sense because <laughs> i was like cause, it's cause okay it's, it's super cool it's super, <laughs> i don't care cool. if it makes it's sense cool at rules. all because I, I was kind of looking for, like, where he was being projected to. Because, you know, in Phantom Menace, when he's talking to, I think it's the Nymordians. Like, he, there's that little spider-crawling hologram projector. Right, that's, like, right. carrying him along. And I, I, I was looking, I was like, is there, like, a floating projector thing? But, I mean, it's it's just, it's it's cool rules. If it looks cool, it's a rule. So, yeah, well, that, that's the thing is, it may have been just a force projection like Luke in in uh, Last Jedi, you know, but he just made it look like a, a, a hologram to look like a hologram. So it would sort of make sense. Interesting. That's true. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I'm just going to go straight down my notes. <clears throat> After Melch gets shot... It's really cool to have that very brief moment where the old pirate comes out of Hondo and he just starts murdering stormtroopers. Um, it's because Hondo in Clone Wars was much more ruthless, but we see him start kind of softening towards the end of the series. And then, of course, he's fun Uncle Hondo in this in this show. He, like in Rebels, he's fun. We love him and stuff. But there's that moment like when, when Melch dies... He has this look in his eye, and he looks like Hondo from Clone Wars, just ruthlessly killing people. And it's it's a really cool little moment. Um, we haven't seen Hondo take that much action, other than, you know, swindling, stealing things from himself, and running away. He actually stood up and took action, and he looked like his old self, and I thought that was a really cool moment. Um... When Melch got shot, I remember the first time I was watching this, and Melch got shot, and then Gregor shot shot, it was that, oh shit moment, Every, not everyone's gonna survive moment. Yeah, no, that was for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one, then, of the, like, one of those clones was gonna go, for sure. Yeah, um, and it was that moment where I was like, oh, plot armor is gone, we're not safe here anymore. Right, right. And then immediately, like, Zeb jumps across the room and tackles Rook, and I was like, oh god, Zeb! Oh, <laughs> oh god. And when Gregor gets shot, the look of horror in Rex's face hit me extra hard after seeing Clone Wars Season 7. Like, that moment hit me, like, way harder than it used to hit me, because, like, we know what Rex went through during the Siege of Mandalore in Order 66, and right. I don't know. It, it just got me in the feels, like, a very extra bit. Um, God, the shot of Ezra destroying the temple is just such a cool shot. Um, and then him running out of it, and then immediately followed by Palpatine's hologram breaking the Sidious. And then when the hologram comes out of the rubble like a fucking evil ghost, like, that entire sequence is so good. <laughs> well, it's like this combination of, like, mechanical realism of a Star Destroyer with an ancient Jedi temple. So it's like all this, sim- like, symbolic, and the Star Destroyer is all black, so it's almost like a, everything's floating in black space type of thing. It's like this great 
combination of the realistic and the symbolic all at the same time. Yeah, and, like, when Ezra blows out the walls, like, between the bricks, like, light starts spilling through. Yeah. It's just, there's, like, um, I never... On StarWars.com, they have the still frame of, cause for the episode pictures of that moment. And it looks like an album cover. <laughs> it's such a cool shot. Um, for Actually, speaking about the Jedi Temple, um, it occurred to me, because of course, in the, the way this show ends is Thrawn and Ezra go on a purgle adventure into space. But... Part of the Jedi Temple is still on Thrawn's ship when they jump into hyperspace. And this temple has the ability to connect to the world between worlds. And, of course, there's been a, like a rumor rebelled sequel for a while now. We don't, at the time of this recording, there's not a confirmed sequel. But there's been a huge rumor of a rebel sequel in the works. Um, I'm wondering if the part of the Jedi Temple on Thrawn's ship going into hyperspace with them is going to play in as a plot point. I don't know. It seemed like he pretty much just shredded it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Palpatine specifically at... says it was rebuilt brick by brick, which tells me that it could be rebuilt again. Brick yeah. By brick. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the idea of like Thrawn and, and Ezra trying to put together a temple like an Ikea shelf. Well, guess who Guess who would be the two best people to probably to put do together that an is... Ikea shelf of <laughs> Well, no, and, uh, yeah, and uh, a, a Jedi and a guy who studied art and culture, so they could both, they could they they would have to cooperate to build the Jedi temple to get a to make a portal to get back out. Ezra's like Thrawn, we have to rebuild this temple, and Thrawn looks at him like, "Don't you dare threaten me with a good time." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how they bond. That's. I I, cause I actually I was talking to my my buddy at Gabby about this because um, I when I realized this I messaged it to her and I was like whoa um, I would actually love to see that like being the first thing they try to get home but because it's the Lothal Temple and they're not on Lothal they put in all this work and then it doesn't work because it's not on Lothal not anymore it's right place yeah yeah and I I could see that being like their first plot point that they try and it doesn't work. I'll have um, more on this on in Act Six. I think I mentioned this in. Did I did I mention this in the World Between World episodes? My theory about Ezra re-raising the Jedi Temple. Yes. One day. Okay, I did. Um, I could see like they try to rebuild this temple and it doesn't like on some weird planet in the unknown regions, but it doesn't work until Ezra re-raises the 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 Jedi Temple on Lothal, and then like that. They have suddenly a portal to the Sunday plane. Or Ahsoka does. Um, so when the temp- the Red Guards come into the room, there was the briefest moment where I had wished they had used Inquisitors. And then I suddenly remembered Ezra doesn't have his lightsabers, so it's probably a good thing that they didn't use Inquisitors, because Ezra would probably have died. Yep. Uh, look at Cal is so worried about Zeb. He doesn't want to turn on the shields because he knows his boyfriend is not safe. He's so worried about his boyfriend. <laughs> I have that in big letters. Um, oh, excuse you, Moth. I am recording a podcast. Stop slapping against my screen. Moth um, Mama. It's Moth Mama. <gasps> it's Mon Mothma. Hey, Mon Mothma. Why are you slapping against my screen? Can you hear it? I cannot. 
Okay, it wasn't, it, it's loud to me. I wasn't sure if it was loud to you. Um, my only other note is Gregor's death hurts way more post-season 7 of Clone Wars this time. For one, I love the character of Gregor. Um, but there, And there's also so much weight in his line where they're actually getting to fight for something that they choose to fight for. Because the clones never got a choice to fight in the Clone Wars. They were just totally told to do it. And then they lost their mental autonomy when Order 66 happened. So here in this episode, Gregor, Rex, and Wolf all got to choose in what they believe in, and they fought for it. So that moment is so powerful, especially with fans of the Clone Wars. Like, I could see someone, like, watching this for the first time and never seeing Clone Wars. Like, that moment might not hit as strong. But for fans of the Clone Wars, like, Gregor's death is a big moment. It, that There's so much in the fact that they got to choose what they fought for. There's so much history and weight in that line. Especially, like, if it's going to be a new viewer who watches all seven seasons of Clone Wars and then watches... Mm-hmm. And then watches Rebels. Yeah. So. But that's all I have. All right. Act five, which is almost really kind of the last act. Yeah, this takes Act six off. is sort of the epilogue sort of thing, but yeah. Act six is the epilogue. <laughs> so act five is here to the end of the episode, and act six is the epilogue. So let me blow my nose. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, my, my sinuses. All right. <clears throat> act five. Needless to say, Thrawn is pretty upset about everything happening right now. Arinda is still captured, Rook is dead, and now the door opens, and that little shit, Ezra Bridger, is shooting all his stormtroopers in the room with him. And behind Ezra, there's a trail of bodies from the people he's already mowed down. And he's a cocky little shit, because Ezra feels like he's won. And Thrawn is like, Okay, I will give you some credit. You got the Imperial Dome. You beat the hologram of the Emperor. You're on my bridge. That takes some balls, Bridger. But you forget that I still have a fleet here on Lothal that's well as well as above the planet in a blockade. So you might have one dome. I have multiple Star Destroyers with like 10,000 plus troopers in each Star Destroyer. This is just a momentary setback. setback. Suddenly, one of Thrawn's officers calls over like, Hey, sir, um, there are, uh, several whale-shaped objects coming out of space, and the whale objects just destroyed the entire blockade. And Thrawn snaps his head over like, I'm, I'm sorry, those words are not supposed to go together. Can you repeat that? And Ezra's like, Check out my space well, friends, bro, because the Purgle are happy to see ya. Look at them smiling. Outside the window in the sky, the Purgle emerge from the clouds, ready to fuck shit up. And the Purgle are just like, yeah, Rex, My terrible impression of whale noises. Leading the Purgle. I totally is- knew those were whales. No, that's about as good as. And 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 they weren't whale noises. That was how whales would talk if they talk. I thought it was very good. Hope. Thank Don't you. Don't be so hard on yourself. Trying to say yeah, Rex stuff as a whale is not what I've trained to do. Leading the purgle is Mart, Wolf, and Vizago in the ghost, like a bunch of excited rednecks going, "Woo! Get 'em, boys! Yeah!" And Theron's brain breaks in half, like, "What the fuck? Does not compute." 
does not compute. So the whales just start crashing into shit. They're slamming into Star Destroyers. They're slapping ties out of the sky. And Ezra is like a proud animal whisperer dad watching the entire thing. Thrawn suddenly hears in the back of his mind. Here's a voice in the back of his mind. And it's the bin dude from the beyond going, Dude, Thrawn, I told you cold hands would embrace you or whatever, man. And again, Thrawn is like, Well, fuck. The purgle smashes through the window of the chimera and wreck havoc. Thrawn tries to escape, but Ezra force throws him into the purgle's tentacles. And I smile a little bit at my blue husbando being wrapped up in tentacles. This is my jimmy jam, guys. Oh, my oh God. boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so good. Oh, so Thrawn and the Overfiend. Oh, God bless all you lovely... <laughs> God bless you plus 18 Thrawn fan artist. I have seen your work, and I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back on the ground. Sabine is like, uh, Sabine calls Ezra, like, what the fuck, Ezra? Dude, space whales. And Ezra's like, I know, isn't it great? But Thrawn shoots Ezra in the shoulder, and it takes all of Ezra's strength to hold the door closed and to throw and hold in a place as the whales take him. Giggity, giggity, girl. I actually have that written in my notes. As the whales wrap around Thrawn's ship and more, Thrawn and Hera- uh, Oh, sorry, uh, I lost my spot. Where am I? Sabine and Hera realize that they're about to jump to hyperspace. They beg Ezra to get off the ship before it happens. But Ezra has learned his final lesson from Kanan. He tells them the same thing that was Kanan's last line of dialogue in the series after the Jedi Temple was destroyed in A World Between Worlds. The Force will be with you, always. With that, the space whales jump to hyperspace, taking Ezra, Thrawn, and the Imperial fleet with them, thus removing them from the original trilogy timeline. Everyone is in a bit of shock. Hera looks like she's reliving losing her space husband all over again. Zeb and Rex have no words. Sabine's eyes are huge. Everything is silent. Then, and what might be the funniest moment of this episode... Wolf calls in and says, Um, was that the plan? Everyone's I laugh so hard. And everyone snaps out of their emotional shock. Sabine calls them to prime the thrusters because they're launching the Imperial Dome and murdering a <laughs> Because they're launching the Imperial Dome and murdering a bunch of space Nazis today. Yeah! They call Mart for pickup and the dome starts to launch. Ryder takes the cuffs off of bitch wife Arenda Price and says that Ari should come with them. But she's Imperial Governor Arenda Price, and she will take the cowardly Imperial way out of this rather than face her mistakes. And Ryder's like, alright, literally your funeral. Bye, bitch. And as stormtroopers flood the room, Sabine gets Ezra's lightsaber and slashes out the window. Our heroes fight their way up to the roof, where Mart swoops in and picks them all up. They get the heck away from the Imperial Dome as it launches. The citizens of Lothal look on as the Empire's image... Uh, imi oh, image of power. <laughs> as the Empire's image of power flies up, 
breaking through the clouds, and for the first time in season four, we see a blue sky. Arundel walks onto the bridge of the dome and looks out as a proud evil person. Sabine pushes the button that will destroy it in honor of Kanan and Ezra, and the dome explodes, ending the Imperial threat on Lothal. Hera immediately wants to see star charts on Ezra's last known trajectory, but Chopper interrupts them all and plays a pre-recorded message from Ezra. He apologizes for not filling them in on the whole plan, but this was the path he saw as the only way to rid the Empire. He says he will miss his space family so much, giving each of them a personal little goodbye. He specifically tells Sabine that he's counting on her, but Sabine has no idea what the, he's talking about. He says he can't wait to come home, and the message ends. Then, they hear cheering. The entire capital city is celebrating the, emperor, the Empire's defeat on their planet. The citizens are rounding up the final stormtroopers that got left behind, and Hera says that this is the first step in defeating the Empire. It all fades to black for the epilogue to have its own little act. What do you think about five? I liked it. I liked it a lot better the second time than the first time. I didn't. There were a lot of details, important details of this that I forgot from the first time that I saw. I for, for one, I forgot how cool the the Purgle carnage was. I remember being a little disappointed that the Purgle showed up, but not this time. It was way cooler than I remembered it. And and I forgot that the Purgle took the whole Star Destroyer with him. Yep. Which makes it a little cooler because that means Ezra could have a uh, a star destroyer. Um, well, I guess I was right. Thrawn's a loser all the time. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of sort of. It wasn't a real Wilhelm scream, but there was a a very Wilhelm-like scream in there. And to the people of uh, of Lothal, enjoy your massive earthquake. <laughs> When that dome hits the hits the planet, uh, I was thinking about that too. Rex specifically says it's out over the sea. Okay, so, oh, okay, so enjoy your tsunami. Enjoy your massive tsunami and floods, um, <laughs> and probably earthquakes too. Um, all right, so here's my. I have three. There's there's infinite potentials of what could have happened to Ezra and Thrawn. Including the including the one we sort of talked about earlier, but like I see, I see three strong possibilities. Well, two strong possibilities, and then one possibility that's my proposal that will never happen. But if Disney really wants to go on the line, this is what they got to do. Okay. All right. I'll let you do yours first, and then I'll do mine. Because that, that's okay. actually one of my questions was, where where do you think Thrawn and Ezra went? All right. The the first thing is, like, logically, how would I think it went down is, is I don't think Ezra could communicate, like, hi, Purgles, how are you? I'm as you know, it, he'd have to communicate real simple things. Like, he sent the signal like a homing beacon and then he could probably communicate to it but like odds are he probably was only to communicate to him something like you know take us someplace take us away from here someplace far away safe and it could be anywhere that would be the more practical way i would figure it would play out but when we get into the animals and 
they're linked to the force maybe the the place where ezra would go well like we've we've noticed a jedi level up when they do a selfless act that's how like usually like at the end of life like kanan like obi-wan like luke you know i just imagine like mario getting like a mushroom and when a jedi lovers levels up they're just like bloop 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 and, and Ezra's Ezra's get Ezra's done like a a selfless act to an extent, but a, not an act of not an act of like sacrifices and sacrificing his life, but it's still a sacrifice. So maybe the Purgle are gonna take him someplace, you know, where he's he's going to go into a higher level of of Jedi ness, where he he you know maybe they're maybe they'll take him to somewhere. Maybe they'll take him somewhere strong in the force where they can set up that Jedi temple or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's not the exciting, awesome, cool thing that they should do with the the sequel to Rebels. All right, so hold hold on to your hold on to your hold on to anything you can hold on to because I'm buckled in. Here, here comes my pitch. All right, since since these Purgle are sort of like these interdimensional traveling creatures. What if they can travel through time too? Okay, and they take Ezra and Thrawn to wait for it. Earth, circa the seventies. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and and they 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 end up on a, an adventure on Earth. They have to hide the star destroyer behind the moon, and they end up on Earth. And they have to get to like, you know, a Mayan temple because the Mayan temples are actually really old Jedi temples to set up their thing. But they end up befriending a young Caltech student named George Lucas, who doesn't take him seriously but loves all the little stories they tell him about the strange world of Jedi and Sith that they came from. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's not getting the uh, get the response that I thought, but <laughs> no, that's I, okay. I'm, I'm uh, I'm that's that's what I'm hoping for, and if it is not that, my entire soul will be crushed. <laughs> but that's all my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it I'm thinking about a line from Gravity Falls right now. <laughs> Remember like, listener, listeners we're going to get a we're going to get a a letter writing campaign and petitions change.org we're going to get the full thing out since they got the, the the I almost said the Schneider cut the Schneider cut Schneider <laughs> was on one day at a time. You haven't, um, for, for our other podcast, What Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, you haven't seen this line yet, but there is at one point where Seuss goes, if this isn't align perfectly with my fan fiction, I'm going to be very disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> that's all I could think of. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it's unreasonable for me to expect the next Rebel show to be set on Earth in the, in the, in the like, like circa would- 1970. It would be a choice. It would definitely be a choice. And 
I, um, I think it's the 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 natural that I think it's just the the I mean I think it's just right there that they got to do it. It's I like honestly can't tell if you're serious or trolling right there's, now. There's choices and then there's just like destiny laid out in front of you, you know. I can't tell if you're serious or trolling right now. I really can't. That's the point, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I yep. guess. All right. So h- here's my couple. Don't let me theories. down, Disney. <laughs> here's my couple theories that I've molded with over friends over time and there's I mean, the two options that I think that will be the opening of the series and then what I would hope will happen so there's two possibilities um, one is much more darker and bleak than the other so Star Destroyer right holds about 10,000 people <laughs> so it's not so one possibility is Ezra and Thrawn got pulled away with 10,000 people. So wherever they end up, Ezra is now trapped with 10,000 very pissed off and scared Imperials wanting to go home. And it could be really dark really fast and like god, Megan wrote this whole like really dark fan fiction of them just trying to survive. Um in the middle of space with a broken ass ship and they lost like half their crew and they have to resort to cannibalism. Was it, yeah, I was going to say, was it like the Donner party? Oh, it was like the Donner party. Oh yeah, my dude. God. I love Megan. Megan yeah. wrote this dark ass story. Megan. Of, like, um, Megan, I like the way you think. And she wrote it <laughs> as a series of journals of <laughs> Ron having to keep, because they, they, like, initially lost, like, over half their crew, and so they were storing, and they were trying to restore their broken ship, but because they're in space, like, the temperatures are all weird, so in certain sections, it's incredibly hot, but in other sections, it's very cold, and, uh, and like, it's a series of, she hasn't published this, um, on, she actually wrote it for me as a gift, but she wrote it as a series of Thrawn's journals of, like, I had to keep my troopers from killing Ezra today because he's the only one that knows how it's going on. And like him trying to stop his people from mutinying and them trying to find like random, like they, they end up in the unknown regions, which is, I think they go to the unknown regions. That is my theory. They are they're in going, the unknown regions. Yeah. They're um, going somewhere, somewhere far away. So even if they do have a thing full of stormtroopers, they're going to be, it's going to be sort of like Star Trek Voyager where it's like, it doesn't matter if you're in if you're way out in to where you can't get back into the action. It doesn't matter if you're in the Empire or a Jedi or whatever. What are yeah. they you know, what's what's Thrawn and his stormtroopers gonna do? It's just yeah. comes down to a point of survival. Then um and so like that that's scenario one where it's just just a survival scenario and they finally find like alien planets and some of the stormtroopers decide to stay and and like I think it's Juicy Space Secrets has a series of very hysterical comics about this where the stormtroopers go up to Ezra and they're like, and Ezra looks at them and he's like, hey, you guys want to play some travel games? And they're like, please, sir, can you please just take us back to our families? And Ezra just looks at them and goes, I'll start. I spy something black (laughs) and just completely ignores them. Um, I I I brought my magnetic Scrabble game. Yeah. So um, that's not what I think has happened, but I've mused about that. What I think is the more simpler, more probable thing is 
they're going to separate Thrawn and Ezra from the 10,000 people and just say just the two of them were okay because they don't want to, they're not going to want to deal with like 10,000 other people on a ship. Um, so or that maybe they'll me... have to use a ship. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be in a situation where they're under attack. Yeah. Well, I let you tell your theory. Let me finish mine. Um, <laughs> But I, I think the more likely thing is they're going to separate Thrawn and Ezra from the... Somehow, like, maybe the ship breaks apart or something, so it's just the two of them. Um, and my buddy Gabby has written a fabulous story called Last Known Trajectory. Um, and the whole first half of it is just Thrawn and Ezra surviving on an island. Or, like, on a planet together. They land on an unknown planet, and they have to survive. Um, but what I think and what I hope will actually happen is they're going to end up in the unknown regions. And I think that they're going to be found by the Chiss Ascendancy. And they're going to... Because what's been going on in the Thrawn novels is they've been wrapping up, like, this whole Chiss civil war is going on. There's the Grisk. There's this extra, like, evil presence called the Grisk. There's this dark shadow looming in the unknown regions. It could possibly... Well, it could be Exegol for all we know. I, I think that they're going to get wrapped up in all the Chiss stuff that's been set up for like four or five novels now. Um, and they're going to bring the ascendancy into actual visual canon and we're going to actually see it for the first time. And so I think that's what's going to, Ezra's going to be there and the Chiss have their own set of Force users. They have their own set of how the Force works. And I think Ezra's going to get involved with that. But the whole time is they're also trying to stop the evilness that's keeping them from going home because they can't escape and go back until they deal with this situation first, this civil war until they deal with the Grisk and they can't go back until that's dealt with. And it could also lead into the beginning of the first order, depending on how long they're there. It could be when the, like when grand Admiral Sloan and all of them and Hux's dad, whose that name is escaping my mind, when they jump into the unknown regions and they see the beginning of the First Order and then Thrawn is then presented with, do I go back to these guys now that I'm with my people again? Or like what happens? I, I think they're somehow going to get, this is what I want slash what I hope happens is they're going to somehow get wrapped up in the Chiss stuff and we're going to bring that into a visual canon. But I think it could be a really cool way, like, in the beginning of exploring the unknown regions. We've never really seen it visually, except for a little bit in Resistance and a little bit in the Star the sequel trilogy. And to actually have, like, maybe the first season is them just going through the unknown regions and exploring it until they finally end up with the Chiss. I think that could be a really cool thing of exploit because animation could also do it really good to really delve into the weirdness like they could make it really weird they could go to they could go to the planet that kel and ayla from resistance live which is a very strong force planet they could go like kel and ayla wouldn't be born at that time it's it's way too early for them to be born but they could see kel and ayla's culture like that's something that could explore could that could then tie resistance into because resistance feels like it's in such a vacuum and it's in such a void away from everything else, but that would be could be a cool way to pull resistance into the animation stuff. So that's that's what I hope will happen and what I think will happen, but we'll see. All I gotta say is Hope's idea is cool, Disney, but my ideas uh, my idea introduces 
product placement and you could actually have actual you could have mickey mouse and donald duck in it too i just like the idea of Thrawn and ezra wearing mickey mouse ears exactly they go to disney world because they would be in California with with or Disneyland, they would be in California with uh, with George Lucas. So he would take him to Disneyland for the day, and because Thrawn would have to see Disneyland. Yeah. He'd Thrawn find would it be like, take me to the drive-in theater. I want <laughs> to see your moving pictures. They have the ho- they have holiday movies. It's just different. Right, right, but he wants to see what our Holland movies are. That's the key to our culture. They take a, the, you know, they take him to the the drive-in and show him the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies, and then he figures out all of Earth culture. Oh my God, he goes to the Met. He goes to all the like, like the Louvre and the Met and stuff, and just has a field day. Yeah, that's not where you understand the planet Earth. It's <laughs> it's at the Cinemaplex. It's watching. Yeah. It's watching Archie Bunker on TV or whatever. Watching commercials on TV is what it is. Yeah. That's what it is, man. What it is. Did you have any other notes for App 5? I do not. Um, just to go through my notes uh, right fast. Still to this day, I love and hate the space well saving the day. Um, I mostly love it. The more I see it, the more I love it. Um, but at the same time, it's just... Space will stop Thrawn, and I hate and love it at the same time, <laughs> still. But I love it more than I hate it. Um, I love the shot of Ezra using the Force with the glass floating all around him right before they jump to hyperspace. It's such a beautiful shot. It's almost like a Matrix slow time, except it's not. It's really just like the distortion of and like the loss of gravity and the distortion of getting ready to go into hyperspace. It's, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And my only other note is I love Arinda's ending because honestly, she would rather die than face all of her fuck ups, which is right. such an imperial thing to do. Harikari. I just, I love it so much. Arinda's ending is so perfect and I love it. That's all I have for Act 5. You ready to get into the final act? The, 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 epilogue i am ready all right let's finish this whole puppy up for the last time in rebels act six we open some unknown time later return of the jedi has already happened luke and leia have saved the galaxy the emperor is dead two whole death stars have been destroyed Countless billions of dollars have been made by Disney from movies, toy sales, etc. Sabine, oh my god, it ties into your theory that they're on Earth. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm no I fool, Hope. I didn't even know that as I wrote that, etc. And Sabine is on Lothal's communication tower, where Ezra's story started. She's looking out over the capital city of Lothal. It's now thriving and beautiful. It's white and pristine, with skyscrapers reaching up. You can see the ocean in the background with little boats in the water. It looks like Ezra's vision of the city, back in the episode Legacy in Season 2. A few ships fly overhead, and Sabine smiles because it's what she's been waiting on. She hops on her speeder and drives back to the city. Then we hear her voiceover, filling us in on everything that happened. 
The attack that they were waiting for on Lothal never came, because the Empire was starting to fracture, thanks to the original trilogy happening. Turns out, Zeb took his new husband Kalos across the stars. They pulled up to his brand new home of Lyrasan, and Zeb was like, There you have it, new husband. That planet is full of Lasats. And Kalos breaks into tears going, Oh, thank God I didn't help kill all of you beautiful, furry, magnificent people. <laughs> and then it's awkward because Kalos is sobbing into his new husband's shoulder when Zeb's new Lasat family comes in. But you know what? They live happily ever after anyways. And then I cried because my boyfriend's are together and they're going to adopt so many tiny furry children. Oh my god. Also, as we've been referring to all season long, Hera was knocked up for the last nine episodes at least. Trust me, I counted the episodes. Because we meet her in Kanan's uh, uh, because we meet her in Kanan's adorable son Jason Sindula, uh, I don't know why I wrote the sentence that way. We meet her and Kanan's adorable son, Jason Sedula, who is now part of the crew. We also found out that both Hera and Rex fought in the Battle of Endor. Rex, for a time, was confirmed to be the old dude in Return of the Jedi. But then Dave Filoni, in an interview, went back on that, wanting to honor the Legends canon of that old man character. But then, in Galaxy Adventures, the little shorts on YouTube... Rex is confirmed to be the old man on Endor, so I don't know. Choose your own canon, I guess. Back in the present, Sabine walks into a building where a mural she more than likely painted is up with the space family. She's apparently spent all this time on Lothal during the rest of the war because she thought Ezra wanted her to protect this planet. But she's starting to realize it might be, uh, it might be him relying on her to bring him home. Because when she turns... There's Ahsoka. Ahsoka fucking Tano. As Gandalf the White waiting for her. And it's time for the two of them to head out and bring Ezra home. The end. Until the rumored Rebel sequel comes out. <laughs> well, I don't care what they say. Like, like in honor of that character, it's like the actor who played that character or whatever isn't going to be like, oh my god, you're changing my character. You know, he was an extra in the movie. And I just don't what see anybody... What character are you talking about? Rex. The, the, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Endor, Endor Rex. Oh, okay, okay, cool. I, cool, I, don't, cool. I don't see anybody so attached to Endor Rex that, like, if you polled fandom, like, would you rather him be, like, you know, Zack Lightningfoot or whatever his name was? his name is Nick Sant? Yeah, Nick Sant. Do you want him to be Nick Sant or do you want him to be Rex? I think 99.9%, except for the one Nick Sant um, Adventures fanfic writer, would all vote for Rex. So he's Rex, man. Screw all that. He's Rex. Um, the only thing I got to say about this is I like everything that happens in this. I would have presented it differently. I wouldn't have had I I wouldn't have gone to like a Sabine voiceover. I would have just done enough. I I I would have maybe had them seeing off, you know, 
somehow uh, somehow communicating that 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 um, Zeb and Callus went back to Zeb's world, but I would have had it start with just the minimum of dialogue so that you knew it was after Jedi, and I would have had everything else like in some dialogue with with uh, Sabine and and Hera, and then had the kid run in at the end so you could introduce a kid and be like oh there's there's Kanan's son and then just done the whole thing with Ahsoka you know I, could, I wonder... uh, have it, like in that like they could be like oh we're getting a call from Zeb and then Zeb's just like hey we just made it to Lurison Kalos is here yeah and then the kid's like hi Uncle Zeb hi Uncle Kalos yep, yep, like yep, he's yep. for I would have, I would have, I would have done it less through through voiceover dialogue, just because that was kind of a an unusual um, conceit for the show. It wasn't something that you saw in the show every once in a while. Maybe there was a little bit of voiceover, but I don't remember any. I wonder if it was just a time constraint, like because there's yeah. what like three minutes left in the episode. Yeah. No, I, I think they could have done it more visually, but that that would have just been my preference. But everything that happened in the way, everything that they set up in it, I thought was uh, was great. I like, I, I there, I, it makes sense that the Empire didn't come back to Lothal because basically their whole operation, Thrawn, everything just got wiped out by like by some animal, you know? Yeah. Just, the the planet and- got wiped clean, and the, and it's like it would be so expensive to go back there, set up. And then they're then they're like probably don't know if like if they go back if those whales aren't just gonna come back and crush them again and cost them another ten thousand billion space credits. And something that I, I think it's in the visual the visual rebels book I, I have the the visual dictionary for it it's season one. Um, something about Lothal is it's not on any hyperspace routes like it is the equivalent equivalent of backwater country. Right. Right. And so, and also like it's so backwater that they had a massive famine during the Republic years and before the Clone Wars the Republic was even like it's really expensive to come out and help you guys and then right. the Clone Wars broke out so actually when the Empire came the people of Thaw were really excited about it because they had been ignored by the Republic for so long because they were just in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy some, we're finally gonna get some aid from the from the government yeah. But yeah. but uh, I like it. It sort of reminds me of the end of George Lucas's first movie, THX 1138, which is like set in a dystopian world. And, you know, the character decides he's going to leave it. And it's a very, you know, robotic sort of life. And, you know, he's being chased around. But in the end, he gets away because the budget for chase, they, they reach the budget. <laughs> they reach the amount that they had budgeted to chase somebody before it became not worth it and they were just like oh it's costing too much to chase this guy let him go <laughs> and that's how he gets away at the end and that's probably pretty much how lethal never came back they were just like yeah it's gonna cost too much and we could just get wrecked by space whales again and it costs us so many so many uh star destroyers and one of our best generals i think we'll just uh leave it at that mm-hmm. although palpy probably might know what really happened but. Yeah, like he is gonna tell everybody about his like oh, defeat to a seventeen-year-old boy. Yeah, right. Exactly. The the no, but nobody nobody in the empire is uh is <clears throat> eager eager to be bragging about the whole Lethal experience. That's all I got on 
part six. So I've, I've pulled this Rex thing up on Wikipedia. I'm going to read this very fast. In 2016, at a screening of the finale of Rebels, executive producer Dave Filoni speculated that the bearded old guy on Endor, Nick Sant, could be Rex, suggesting it did not make any sense for there to be an old guy on Endor unless it was someone like Rex. The Rebels series finale uh, confirmed that Rex did fight on the Battle of Endor, but, th- but it did not go as far to confirm Rex and Sant as the same character. Six months after the episode's airing... Even though they showed Rex looking exactly like him. Filoni, uh, six months after the episode's airing, Filoni re- revealed in an interview with IGN, he ultimately chose not to canonize the theory because he felt that laying down an already established character prior to his coming to Star Wars wasn't correct. Adding Rex could have been present at Endor and not be Sant, even though some fans choose to believe that Sant and Rex are the same individual while others choose not to do so. In recreations of shots from Return of the Jedi in Star Wars Galaxy's Adventures, the short Han Solo from Smuggler to General, Rex is used instead of Sant, wearing his same clone trooper armor that he wears in Clone Wars. Rex also appears in the original shots of the short. Because Galaxy Adventure shorts are not meant to be taken as literal events, no official sources have continu- have currently definitively stated that Rex and Sant are the same character. Yeah, they're the same character. Yeah. I, I, whenever I, they talk about, like... Uh, Dave Filoni putting things into canon, uh, canonizing things. It's just like, oh, Pope Filoni's going to canonize. <laughs> just the word canon just makes it sound like Catholic religion to me. Yeah. So it's funny. But but as for my it's, notes, it's um, I love the opening shot of Sabine on the t- tower because it directly mirrors the very first shot we ever see of Ezra in episode one. Because he's in the same position. His arms are crossed, his chin's on top of his arms, and he's watching ships uh, come into Lothal. It's a really great callback to episode one. Um, and if you I, wanted to take one visual image for Star Wars, it would be somebody looking up at the sky with a ship flying over him, I would yeah. think, just sort of symbolically. Yeah. And actually, um, because I, I went back and I checked, uh, the, I, I checked the first episode, and in the original airing of episode one, it opens with that shot of Ezra. But in later airings and in the DVDs and now on Disney Plus, they added in the shot of Vader talking with the Grand Inquisitor as the opening shot of the story. But in the original airing of the first episode, the first shot we ever see is Ezra on his tower looking up at the sky. So it's a really just nice callback to episode one. Um, also, the short haired purple hair Sabine this is my favorite look of all of Sabine's looks I love her short purple hair it's so good <laughs> love it um I wrote one last little lost cat popping out of the grass going meow <laughs> I love it I'm gonna miss you lost cats and big words Zeb and Carlos are together look at the wonderful boyfriends <laughs> Yeah, this is there's a lot. This is this is like one of the gayest episodes. The gay is strong in this episode with Cal with the and then the hot Hondo pig love. I okay. I actually have a lot of issues with this. We don't um, know. We don't know Ugnot gender though, so who knows what what's up with that? Um, or Hondo's breed. Um, I'm not gonna get into it here because I I am. I, like in retrospect of Rebels, looking back on it, um, in the lead up to this episode and stuff like that, um, I go into it a lot more detail over on GeekyGirlExperience.com. Um, I wrote an episode, an article called "The Queer Coding of Ahsoka Tano," 
And Callus and Zeb were actually queer baited the entire show, um, including by the creators and by Steve Bloom and stuff. I don't think it's malicious because Disney has a very long history of censoring queer content on their channel. I honestly think that this was the most they could do. Me, I honestly yeah. think. No, I, I don't mean, think it was like, malicious. but I mean, the, the um, way that. But scene... I go into. I go into it in a much more detail about how Callus and Zeb were queer baited for the entire series. So if you, I'm not going to go into it here because it's like a 20 minute explanation. But look at my article. Uh, look up my article, the queer coding of Ahsoka Tano, and I go into it. But for what is presented here, I love it. Oh my God, they're boyfriends. Oh, it's it's obviously it, it's not just like hey, it's not a shot. It's the shot doesn't play like I'm bringing you to meet my family and friends. It it it, it, it does. Is, well it plays as meet it plays as meet the in-laws is what it plays like yeah like when they show up like the in-laws are looking at him like oh is this the guy you know it's it's right out of it's you know right out of every romantic movie trope you know the door opens up the whole family standing there going is this the is this him is this the guy we've heard all about you know it's it's yeah it's uh it's pretty clear yeah. Maybe not and, to maybe not to little kids, but to anybody else, it's 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 pretty much the visual like the visual language of film is telling you that uh that that Callus is meeting the folks. Yeah. I I mean absolutely. Like um and they should and, go and, meet the parents like comedy. People have I've read those fan fictions, they're really good. <laughs> Where um, I read in because uh, the little old lady, uh, I think the little old lady Lasat, I think her name is Chava, where people where Chava is like, Zeb, you need to feed this boy more. He's so scrawny. Come here, Callus. I'm gonna feed you now. <laughs> like I've read those fan fictions. They're wonderful. <laughs> uh, where am I? I love that Kana and Hera have a baby. I love Jason. I love that. But honestly, that reveal is what wrecked me so much about their writing in season four as i've talked to at length uh, this entire season yep. uh this is just a personal sore note of me though and this is still like just a mer and it's it's the pettiest of petty notes this is a very petty bitch note i always wanted rex to be specter seven i always because I, th- I feel like he earned it he's been with them since like season two He's he's earned his stripes to be Spectre Seven, and then this little shit Jason Cindula comes along and he's Spectre Seven. You ever seen you ever seen the 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 meme of the grandfather with the kid on his lap, and they put like some punk rock T-shirt, and the gra- grandfather's like, "You don't even know who that band is, you little fucking poser." I know. <laughs> That's you don't even know what Spectre you you don't even know what a Spectre Seven is. Yeah, that that's always like. That's always been a pet peeve. I've always wanted Rex to be Spectre Seven, and then he's not, and it's Jason. Well, Jason has Jason has Jedi blood in him, so maybe it's Rex's immediate like instinct to to uh, take a subservient position to any Jedi any midichlorian count. Jason <laughs> can know. be Spectre Eight. <laughs> yeah. Not. I, actually, I'm I'm okay with it now, but there's still just like a tiny petty side of me where I'm just like. I think Rex should be should be Spectre X because it just sounds cool and it would be the coolest name. Oh, I'm Spectre X, and it almost sounds like his name. He I'm could he that. could have his name little two little tiny R E and then X. Anyway. <laughs> 
So there used to be an old nickel. I, I think it was Nickelodeon, and it was called Generator Rex. And that's all I'm thinking about now. <laughs> um, this is kind of a weird thing because I I never took it as this way, but I've had several fans point that friends point this out to us. Even in the I think in the it was a discussion in the True Drewfix Cantina at one time. But I never took it as this way. But apparently it's true. I find it really hard to believe that Sabine completely removed herself from the rest of the war for the rest of the several years just to stay on Lothal this entire time. But apparently she has, and I find that hard to believe. Yeah, me too. And I could see her making Lothal her operations and like leave to go help stuff. Yeah, but I if the empire it, doesn't come back, you could you could scoot out of there, and I mean the empire isn't just gonna set up overnight there. Yeah, um, and I, I kind of hate that idea, but you know, in in comics and novels and stuff like that, Sabine is absent. Like in the main Marvel Star Wars canon, there's a shot where Hera and Zeb are at a rebel meeting, but Sabine is not there. She's not in the book. She's not in the comics. She's apparently spent the rest of the war on Lothal. And I find that really hard to believe. I just do. I just, I don't, I, yeah. I, I hate that choice. I think it's, I think it's a horrible choice. Um, because Sabine is worth way more than that. Um, and my final note, still to this day, oh my God, I get so emotional and I get chills to see Ahsoka standing there as fucking Gandalf the White, just knowing everything she's been through, everything I just, how she's still here, how she still survived. She survived past Anakin. She's still around. And I, I still, that moment to me as like an Ahsoka fan, like I, I just started bawling when I saw her there, just knowing that she's lived and that she continues to live on and she's still a presence here and to see her as an adult and she's, I I can't like that, that, emo- that moment means just so much to me as a, as an Ahsoka fan, because she is the very definition of a survivor and Ahsoka lives and it's great. I love it. I figured it would happen. She's the most successfully created Star Wars character. Yeah. I still have mixed feelings about her being in the Mandalorian, possibly. Well, oh. all, the, all the Ahsoka and the Mandalorian rumors. But that's more of a... But that's more of a, just a general fear about the Mandalorian. Um, like, And that, that goes for Boba Fett and Sabine and all this. My, my if they, fear if is if they st- keep up the writing, I'm fine with it. As long as the writing is, they keep the writing at the same level that it was in the first season, then I can only imagine Dave Filoni will make it make sense, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, if it was in anybody else's hands, I'd be really scared. But yeah. it's in Dave's hands. And, like, my, my fear for The Mandalorian is I enjoy, I love Din and Baby Yoda and Kara's story. But a legacy character like Boba Fett could easily steal that focus and steal that story very easily. Um, so as long as it's still, I don't mind legacy. But the thing is, is like, look at Rebels. Rebels had several legacy characters, and it never took away from the main story. Well, so I she's trust also, it. she's also, yeah, they were like, yeah, and like, I hope they handle Boba Fett as, I hope they present Boba Fett as kind of a joke. 
Because compared to a regular Mandalorian, Boba Fett's a joke. I also so, fucking don't have any feelings towards Boba Fett. I wish, I hope he's still dead. I'd rather it be someone like Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. No, I hope, I hope <laughs> Boba Fett shows up and it's like, and he's like, I'm Boba Fett, I'm cool. And then the Mandalorian kicks his ever-loving ass. That would be great. That And that would be consistent with <laughs> everything else. If Boba Fett shows up and is a super cool blah, 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 then, you know, battle guy, then I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not interested. We'll see. We'll see. But there's been lots of things where I've said, if they do it this way, I won't like it. And I have before. So we'll see. I just hope the writing's up. I'm not, I'm not excited about Boba Fett, but I think they'll, it'll be fine with Ahsoka. And Ahsoka is like, sort of like a Dave Filoni legacy character. Not sort of, she is. She's, she's sort of like not from the original trilogy, so it's kind of neat, like, Dave Filoni's got his own sort of internal world yeah. going, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. There, like, when the, when the Ahsoka rumors started running around the Mandalorian, there were so many articles that were like, this is about, uh, here's the best character from Star Wars that you've never heard of. And oh. it was just articles about Ahsoka. <laughs> oh, I think we've heard of her. Yeah, but it was more for, like, the plebs. <laughs> the normies but did you have anything else for this episode no i'm ready to score it up do, 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 do. this is the last time you have to do this do, 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 yeah. do, 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 do. it's time for chris to say a nice thing about thrawn for the last time um animals like to give thrawn hugs Animals like to fuck him with ten circles. <laughs> 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 However like you to, want to do it. However you want to do it. To give him nice hugs. All right. I need to remember to put these because um, I want to read all of them when we do our season, our season Next recap. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. I need to remember to put this in. So yeah, Chris, score it up. I gave it a nine point two five. I didn't like it as much as the last episode. I just love, love, love the last episode. But I I really liked it. I thought, like, the second time especially, I thought it, it, it wrapped it up. I was a lot more satisfied with the wrap-up of it. And especially with the, the Purgles. So, I yeah, 9.25. It's a great episode. As for me, great. what I can't... What can I say? It's an awesome finale. It's a celebration of the entire show with all these characters. It's moving. It's powerful. It's beautiful. The music is. We haven't even really mentioned the music. The music is really good. This the music episode. is real. Yeah, they they hyped. They definitely uh, hyped up the music for it and everything. Yeah, it's really. It's just. I absolutely around. love the music in the Purgle scene um, when Ezra is like pushing stormtroopers out while trying to hold Thrawn. It's so good. Um, and I like the fact that it has an open ending for more. It's beautiful and it's great. And I, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. I did I did think about whether or not I wanted to give it the 10. But I, I think I still had just enough little gripes that I didn't have with A World Between Worlds, which I didn't really have any gripes. Um, so, Yeah. Well, as always, we would love to hear your fuck, I didn't do it during the Yoda thing. I, we talked about it and I didn't even do it. So going forward, you guys, <laughs> to go all the way back to our Yoda question that I wrote a big red note in red text that I didn't even say. Um, 
going forward for at least the first eight weeks of Clone Wars, uh, Clone Wars has platitudes. So when we start Clone Wars in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to go back to doing the platitudes for Yoda like we did originally. That said, if you still want to send us Yoda questions, I'm going to start a Google Doc just so I can save them. And then what we can do is we can hold on to them for when we get to, say, resistance, which we're they're, doing. They're, they're, they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So feel free to keep back. on sending us Yoda questions. I'm going to hold on to them in a Google Doc. So, yeah. As always, we would love to hear your feedback from iTunes, Twitter, on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Also, if you like our show, tell a friend. Share it with a friend. Let them know how, why you like us and, and share it. That's the best way to help people listen to our show. This week, because this is a long episode, we have a nice little bit of feedback that comes from our episode, Crawler Commandeers. Take it away, Chris. All right. comes from Paul C. Kelly. The captain of the Sand Crawler reminded me of Gollum when he was crawling around preparing to sneak attack Ezra. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Rooker, Rooker uh, reminds me of, like, Gollum if he worked out. Gollum was a little healthier and worked out, too. Man, I looked at some uh, CG, some images of Gollum about a week ago, and that CGI is way creepier, like, 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, our last candy of Rebels. Why what don't we doing? do the Dulceros waffle uh, wafer rolls? It's like a big white and purple package. White and purple package. Oh, it's the... Oh! Oh, they're like, um... They're like those, um, oh, I can't remember what they're called. The things, I know. Start with a P. We used to have them all the time at this restaurant or at this catering place that I worked with because they were a fancy, ooh, these are chocolate ones. I don't know where these come from. I don't, I don't think these are on here. Well... As always, we're eating candy from all They're of the world. They're made in Rancho Domingo, California. Where do you we're see that? Some, we're, we're eating American candy. Okay. Well, our friend Daria sends us candy from all over the world to read to view. You guys know the spiel. We're going to eat some candy. Because <laughs> it's late. These, these are those little rolled up rolls that you're supposed to dip in your coffee or tea. Oh, I can't open it. But I like Oh, they're so oh. good. And I think I dropped a piece of one. Ah! Oh, they're very fragile. These ones are even better because oh, these ones are in there. They're they're basically those little round, really crispy rolls with chocolate. Oh, they're good. Mmm. Oh man, these are really good. Mmm. Thank you, Dario. We love you. Mm. Oh man, they're so light Bungie. and rich at the exact same time. I like that they're light and rich. Like the yes. insides are rich, but the outsides are very light and fluffy. Yes. Yeah. And they're small, so you get yeah, you get that crunch, but then it, you get that chocolate, satisfying, fatty, mm-hmm. sugary, rich middle. And mm. it's nice. Thank you, Dario. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. For the last time in Rebels, where can people find you? You can find me at tutrufreaks.com. That is our website. You can see all our podcasts there. You can subscribe to them there because you get at our RSS feed, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe. Mm, these are good. I know I'm still chewing mine. Um, 
We are also on Facebook. There's the Two True Freaks podcast page where we also post all our shows and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is our hangout spot. We are also on the scourge of the internet, the Twitter, the disgusting and vile Twitter, except for cool stuff like Two True Freaks and uh, floating like the tidy bowl man in this sea of sewer. Sea of Sewage is Gene Gene, the Tidy Bowl machine. <laughs> Gene. I wish we could have done a bunch of little flushing noises in the Gene. <laughs> that's a good deal. <laughs> but that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You made me laugh like halfway through like my like my pin on desk drum roll and I was just like, uh, uh, <laughs> Of course, you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com, as I mentioned earlier. That's where I write all my reviews. And also, Chris and I have another podcast over there called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. You can hear that on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and what's the other one? I think I, I think Google Podcasts is the other one. Um, you can hear us all there, and you can join other J Guys and Jedi listeners. Because off the top of my head, because I know this because they're patrons, Heather, Brian, and Patrick Delmore all listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch cartoons. Don't you want to be cool like them? Gene, are you listening? Are you listening, Gene? You should. Go check us out. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at JGuys and Jedi. I run our, J- our Twitter account. I completely did this out of order, and now I'm all weird. It's like, what do I say next? I'm out of order. You can also this find me at This isn't how Hope- things are. I know. This isn't I just- how things are at all. We've been recording for like what two hours and forty-five minutes. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, man. I'm tired. Uh, you can also find me at Hope Malnex and all that other good stuff. Go check us out, man. Well, next week we're doing, of course, our final Callus Volution. Stay. Come back. Bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks.
Go home! Go home! Bye-bye.